And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. I'm Brian Ellison. And I'm Langley West. And tonight, episode 119, where you knew we'd always come go, and that is we're going to do an episode on King Kong. King Kong. I think Tom's wanting to do this episode in the hopes that we never talk about <laughs> King Kong again. Yeah. Next, I'm coming surprised up, coming you up guys next, haven't done it earlier. Coming up next, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's uh, that King Kong does not belong in that realm. No, no, no. I, it's an inside joke about how we always seem to end up at those two films. Yeah, people. Uh, actually, the Seventh can... Voyage of Sinbad. Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. That's yeah, same. It's important. No, it's no, important. that's a classic. Yeah, that, that's a classic. <laughs> in, uh, uh, in in honor of this, uh, one because it's Easter, and two because we're talking about Kong. I'm wearing my King Kong Die for Our Sins T-shirt. <laughs> today. You so are, you are, I'm excited. You are that. I am on. So, uh, I guess we begin at the beginning here, right? But that's a good place to, <laughs> to start. There's a song like that, right? King Kong is one of those movies that you can definitely trace its DNA, where it came from. It didn't just kind of come out of nowhere. There was a, a culmination of a, a bunch of different things. And one of those being the success of 1925's um, the Lost World, where we have Willis O'Brien, Marcel Delgado, um, making the creatures or making the dinosaurs for the uh, for the movie, and that movie was a big hit. And at the same time, you got Marion C. Cooper and Ernest D. Schoetzek going around the world making their mm, I don't know what I, I forgot what they called them like. Um, well, they did a lot of documentaries, and they go to various jungles and sites, and kind of kind of Indiana Jones type documentaries. Yeah, it was really weird because they would go, they would go on location. They, they would tell a narrative story, a fictional narrative story, but they shot it like a documentary. Yeah, yeah, and they were pretty successful, from what I understand. Yeah, they, they made grass, and um, oh, I can't I can't remember the uh, the other big one that they did before that. But anyway, all this stuff kind of came together. It's something called Chandra. Uh, Chang. It was called Chang. Chang, Chang, Chang. There you go. Something yeah. like that, I remember, yeah. And, uh, Chang. 
Yeah, Chang. And they, uh, um, so based on the success of The Lost World, Willis O'Brien was making something called Creation. Mm-hmm. It was this really, uh, uh, epic, it was going to be this big epic prehistoric. Yeah, it says here, a group of people stumbling into an environment where prehistoric creatures have survived extinction. Right. Sort of a lost, isolated plateau kind of movie. Okay, yeah, it's very very similar to The the, the Lost World. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the studio... With all the fingers of H.C. Wells. Yeah, the studio wound up eventually killing it after he'd worked on it for like a year and but at the same time, Marion C. Marion C. Cooper actually killed it. He did, he did. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of brought in to kind of clean up stuff and save the studio. Yeah, and, and he, yeah, and he kind of became in charge. And he he uh, the footage was good, but he didn't like the concept, and uh, so he 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 killed that idea. But really, I think it was because he had this other idea that he really wanted to make, and that was a movie about a giant gorilla mm-hmm. called The Beast. And he had been trying to think of ways to have to to do this story where he has a giant gorilla on this prehistoric island, and uh, at one point even entertained the idea of going to the Komodo Islands and with a gorilla and having the gorilla and the the Komodo dragons fight and then sure it as you do back in the thirties <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds like something <laughs> no, Carl Denham would want to do yeah. exactly with no licensure yeah yeah, yeah isn't sure. it true man that Marion C Cooper was a lot like Carl Denham Carl Denham being the filmmaker in King Kong, in King Kong. Yeah, right 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 or, or, I'm with you yeah okay okay yeah. Right. the Jack Black I packed guy. a lunch yeah. <laughs> go ahead and. Uh, so he saw in what Willis O'Brien was doing a way to make this epic tale come to life. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I first saw this movie like, like most everyone as a kid, you know, on TV, hearing on TV, and yeah. and, and marveling at both the jankiness of it and and the and the otherworldliness of it and the idea of uh, I was always drawn to the like. Ah, uh, Kong's just a big lug, and he just loves the girl, you know. And, right. And, and that was that really resonated with me as a kid. Well, I think that that's I think that that's one. Of, I mean, like how the many, tragic hero, the Frankenstein, the right? monster. The how many times have you do you, have we on this show and a million other places? You talk to people. What's your favorite movie? King Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, King Kong was Hitler's favorite movie, for what it's worth. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I always and, thought he was into westerns. <laughs> and you ever wonder what kind of comedy Hitler liked? I don't know. <laughs> I don't Slapstick, know. probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Kind of like stand-up I comedy. I, I was going to say, I probably I, the carrot top of his time. Do you think I know. Hitler it was like, was take the Jews, comedy? please. <laughs> I don't know if Hitler was the kind of guy that was into comedy. He had to have been. Yeah. This is so far afield, but he had yeah. to have been right. He had to at some point. Well, go, there's a there's a comedian who did like. There was a comedian who did Hitler as a comedian. His jokes were like, take the Jews, please. And then there was like, boy, did we bomb in Berlin. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. That was like a whole comedy routine, which is kind of in bad taste, but still kind of funny. I but I also think that the original film is something that people, younger people are aware of, but they may or may not have seen. They might have seen it in a film class somewhere. It's, it's kind of like Frankenstein. It's, come, it's become such a cultural icon 
Hey, think, you you know it without even knowing yeah, it. Yeah, like how many younger people have seen the original Frankenstein? Probably not no, as not many as yeah. Um, I, I didn't know that the, there was a number of footage that was excised from the film over the years because as they kept re-releasing it, oh, sure. uh, because of standards, they would just cut certain scenes out. And so as a kid, I mean, I I loved the film, but I mean, it wasn't until like years later where I actually got to see the the full version of the movie with restored with restored footage, which actually made it even better. Um, I thought in my mind. But, oh, a- absolutely, the scene of him undressing Anne. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, just chomping on people and dropping that woman from the building when he thought it was Anne Darrow, and yeah. he's like, "Oh, it's not Anne Darrow," and he just lets her go. Totally kills her. Yeah. Who Stomps became the wife of people. Gary Cooper, by the way? That actress, apparently. Oh really? The one that yeah. fell. The one that yeah he dropped. Apparently that was wow. would later be Gary Cooper's wife. I read that somewhere. Wow. Yeah, that's trippy. But I, Roger Ebert said that uh, when he was reviewing Robert Altman's film McCabe and Mrs. Miller, mm-hmm. he, he called it a perfect film. And, um, you know, you can debate that or not. But I remember as a kid, and I still to this day, I, I think King Kong is a perfect film for for so many reasons. Yeah. I mean, wow. I just, I mean, as a kid, you dinosaurs, islands, mysterious islands, uh, dangerous natives, uh, just, I mean, Kong just being so super cool, uh, just had everything a kid would want. If you like adventure movies, jungle movies, sci-fi movies, horror movies, thriller movies, Bam, it's all there in one movie for it's you. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Love story. Um, yes. I was going to say, I think one of the reasons why people respond so well to this is something that Tom was talking to, and that is identifying with Kong. Kong is Quasimodo. Mm-hmm. You know, he's... He, the tragic it, hero. Yeah, yeah, it's the tragic... Exactly. And it, it's Beauty and the Beast. It's a very mm-hmm. classic. And how, you know, how how many of us can identify with being the... Other. the the other, the outsider, the the outcast, the mm-hmm. the kid who wasn't picked to be on the dodgeball team or whatever it is, you know. Whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure King Kong would be picked to be on the dodgeball team. Mm-hmm. Hey, probably, but he might not be asked to the dance. You know, by the no, maybe not. I'll be honest, man. By the time I first saw Kong, it, it was it was impressive because it was like, yeah, this is like 1933, sure. early 30s. Yes, it never resonated in a way like clearly it resonates with you guys. Like I was, I'm a fan, but I'm not like a fan fan. Sure. Fan. I, I, I went so when I hear like it's a perfect film, I, I try to try to get my head around that. Well, take a look at. Um, I, I think it is in this in this sense. Every everybody working on that film, or at least every aspect of of that film, every department um, was operating at the height of their abilities at that time. Mm-hmm. So you're doing the stop motion animation, which yeah. really wasn't, you know, hadn't been done that much. And for the first time, people seeing things that they that could not possibly be, and yet it looking mm-hmm. to them so real. Sure, I, I get that. I get I get that. Like the moment in time. Mm-hmm. Also, the music by Max Steiner. Uh-huh. The music by Max Steiner for King Kong. This is one of the first times that we have a film composer actually composing music to match what's happening on the screen, um, rather than just creating, oh, you know, make an exciting uh, chase song. Mm-hmm. And it, where he's actually composing the music according to what's in the script and what's happening on the screen. So much so that, like, when um, Noble Johnson comes walking down the steps as the the leader of the natives, the music is matching his steps. Vroom. 
Boom. Yeah, that's very true. The the, um, the the studio didn't want to do a musical score. They they just wanted to have them reuse musical cues from right. other films, which was typical. And Steiner um, was brought in by uh, Cooper, who believed it should have a musical score, and so he paid him $50,000 out of his own pocket uh, to compose it. And so you have, like uh, Langley says, his first big score using a 46-piece uh, orchestra in which they recorded se uh, separate tracks for, like, for dialogue and sound effects and all kinds of stuff. And um, um, ultimately, uh, as, as Langley mentions, uh, Steiner used uh, themes, like, kind of like an opera. We have these light motifs where you, a certain character has a certain theme associated with right. it. Which so, is all so very unique. Yeah, and Max Steiner, by the way, did "Gone with the Wind" for people who are wondering who Max Steiner is. Yeah, "Gone with the Wind," Casablanca, The Searchers. So he's a well-known Hollywood composer. And this was, and this was really the first time he got to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a kick-ass score too. It works it really well. It's a great, it's a great score. It's a great movie. Um, oh. I, uh, Tom's just laughing. <laughs> he's like, well, coming back to what Tom said about, so when I said it was a perfect movie, so what? So let me elaborate a little bit on that. So you, this is a movie I've seen many times over decades, okay? So when you watch it for the first time and you're a small kid, you're just dazzled by what you see on screen, even though you know it, even though it was pretty old I mean, by the time I saw it. You're just dazzled by it. But as you get older, and, you, and because you love the film so much, and you start reading about it, and you start paying attention to things, and you start seeing things that you haven't seen before, and you start learning, like Langley says, like, you know, not only was it a great film as far as using a musical score, it, in a sense, you can say it, it kind of revolutionized uh, a film in a way in which they're, they're creating sequences where you take a piece of film and then you take another piece of film and put that on that image and then you take another piece of, like, stop-motion stuff and put it on that image and you have background uh, matte I images. So you're, you're compiling films and creating a scene in which you have several pieces of film on, on, one, on one frame. And that was something that hadn't really been done before, too. Uh, uh, you know, so in a way, they're creating all this new technology and, and doing it in a way that has never been done before. And so to me, that adds to the luster of this film and just the idea of how tight it was, uh, how, how the movie's 100 minutes, right? Yeah. And it's a, it's a fast movie. In fact, some people say, oh, the first 20 minutes are slow, and I just laugh at them, right? It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, it's 100 minutes. Where you get to Peter Jackson's movie, if you take the extended cut, it's 200 minutes, right? right. So, when, so when they're on a boat in King Kong 1933 to go to Skull Island, it's like, you're there and you're, you're done, you're, you're there, yeah. right? But in uh, Jackson's movie, it's like, no, we're on that boat for a while. Yeah. So if you want to say that's slow, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> but there's an economy to King Kong that's pretty incredible. Sure. And, and, and when you look at the tightness of the story, I mean, the acting, may, you know, you can complain a little bit about the acting. It's, you know, maybe a little wooden or whatever, but, but I, I think it works. I think it works fairly well. And the more you look at it, the more you see it, the more you realize, like, man, this is something special, which is why it makes so many best movies of all time lists, right? That movie makes the list, not Peter Jackson's King Kong. Not Dino De Laurentiis' uh, King Kong. Right. That makes the list. And that movie's 84 <laughs> freaking years old. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a perfect movie, Tom. No, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is when I would have seen this movie would have been when I was, what, five, six, seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
at this point we're well, I'll, I'll be kind and say we're we're mid 60s so by then i i'm i'm eating a steady diet of things like that that are on that are on tv that are the those american international and sure. all those other things so by the time i got to kong you're used to a certain type of cinematography it, it wasn't so it, it i I had Harryhausen, right? Mm-hmm. I had right. all those other things where it was just like, so I look at it and I go, okay, I agree, given the time, you know, right. given the time, Buddy Holly was great, but I don't reach for a Buddy Holly record anymore. Um, yeah, but Buddy Holly still is great, whether or not you reach for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. But I'm not, you know, that's not my argument. My argument's saying that, that when I like when I came to it, it, there was there was other things of its like around and all it and what it had what this film had going for it was it was the first that did this technique right. it was the first that x y or z right, you know what right. I'm saying? so so i i do think the film is is extraordinary um and set the model for what we consider at the very least the the big bug the big monster right movie of our of the blockbuster well, yeah, yeah really. exactly yeah. Yeah. um i i I get what you're, what you're saying. When I first saw this movie, I was probably also about the same age. And I dug it, but I didn't dig it as much as I did my Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Because they were in color, and sure. there was neat stuff like radioactive breath. And and there yeah, were, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. And then... And then you know, and, and even at that point, I was already like Harryhausen's god. Mm-hmm. And but then, I'd go back and I'd rewatch it, and it, it dug its hook into me more. Mm-hmm. And then I'd read about it, and then that dug the hook in more. And then I'd sure. watch it again. And then every new piece of information I found out, and every new person that said, "I love this film," absolutely, it adds to its credibility. And, sure, I get that. And now, so so you know, I'm. What this is, uh, forty-five years later, mm-hmm. and I, y- you, you suggest you know we're gonna watch King Kong. I'm there, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll watch every bit of it. And and I think also too part of the 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 romance for for me comes from an early love of that era of films. Like mm-hmm. I sure. Uh, I love the 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 30s and 40s. Um, I love 30s and 40s Hollywood, mm-hmm. and, and and that movie just uh, drips with that. It, let's talk about Skull Island for a second, and I don't mean. Well, the, can the, I can I interrupt for just a second about the the, yeah. the 30s? There, there's a point to be made why I think the film resonates still uh, with people and today, and and in sense Hollywood is known as the dream factory, right? Right. And when you think about it. Uh, I, I go back, and I've said this before on the podcast, but when you get to 1920s films in Hollywood and 1930s films in Hollywood, there is this kind, because they're black and white, there's this weird kind of dreamlike quality to them, right? And then when you think of these films, because they were new, even for them, uh, even for that time, you, you get kind of this magic to them and this kind of mythological dreamlike quality to them. That's true. So, so I think these films hold up because, in some ways, even King Kong. To get back from King Kong for a second, it's a much darker movie. And this is what people, I think, sometimes don't. Even because they, oh, it's eighty-four years old. It's kind of corny. I mean, if you get past that and look at it for what it is, it's a much darker and haunting movie than any of its uh, modern counterparts. And uh, Kong's personality 
in my opinion, is more memorable in that movie than mo more modern movies. And so because of that magic and that mythological aspect and that dreamlike quality, that, that it, it haunts us and kind of stays in our minds the way a dream, uh, a vivid dream would stay in our minds. Um, and I think that's why this film is still considered one of the greatest films of all time, because it has that quality where its modern counterparts do not have that quality. Right. I was going to talk about Skull Island for a second, mm -hmm. and this I think that this really speaks to, I, and I don't mean the new movie, I mean Skull Island in 1933. Yeah, which I think uh, they only referred to as once, and they called it Skull Mountain Island, didn't something, they? Something, yeah, yeah. It, they, it, um, the, the design of Skull Island um, is, it, talking about dreamlike quality, is, is the most amazing and... Uh, strange jungle you'll find in any movie because it's not it's not tropical per se. We have all different kinds of trees and things. It's it's and they're a lot of them aren't real and it's it's all designer stuff. So it's all got like the hanging moss mm -hmm. and vines dripping, and they use that um, awesome Gustave Doré lighting style where. The foreground is actually dark, mm -hmm. and rather than usually you you highlight the foreground and then things fade off as, as it goes into the sure. distance. This time, it's kind of like how things are almost in real life when you're in some place that has a thick atmosphere. You're you're all everything up close to you is darker, and then each layer going away from you gets brighter and brighter and brighter, and that was it creates such a cool visual, and it was unusual. Um, but the the island itself, this primordial island, is just it's crazy. It's all the stuff of it's like beautiful. I say, H.G. Wells and Jules Verne, lost civilizations, and you know burrows and burrows and all yeah. that stuff. You know, it it makes me think of um, the like the the like the jungles and forests that you see in Frazetta paintings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Gnarly, yeah. twisted trees that don't really exist. Yeah. It's all this stuff that looks cool but doesn't make a lot of sense. In the world. Some of the some of the sets were borrowed from an earlier movie that uh, Cooper did called The Most Dangerous Game. Mm. Absolutely, which, yeah, which is a kind of a classic story and a uh, classic movie about a guy who's shipwrecked on an island and uh, he's hunted because man is the ultimate game. So the guy uh, hunts him on the island. Yeah, also a, a really uh, iconic idea uh, for a film because it was yeah. used over and over oh, absolutely. and over again. The Naked Parade. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 and it's, a lot of the stuff was shot on the same I'm sorry, sets. The, the Most Dangerous Game. Oh, okay. Uh, hard Target. Oh, there, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, as long as you said, this, this, that, that concept has been used a zillion times. Yeah. Apocalypto. Right. Mel Gibson's Apocalypto. Which is really the Naked Prey. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so... You know, we 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 established that it, this is such a iconic and, and and great film. So why has all it or all attempts to spin off from it usually been terrible? Not terrible, but they they go afield. Even the ones that are direct remakes of the of the same storyline. I think a lot of times it's because those filmmakers, those people, are focusing on the cool aspects. It's a giant gorilla mm -hmm. without tackling the, the core theme of 
um, either unrequited love or the, the tragic hero. Um, th those are the things that make Kong um, different. He's not just a big he's not just a big gorilla. Mm -hmm. and, and you know what's amazing is he's a special effect, right? He's he's a he's a stop motion animated thing, and and he makes you feel emotion. You're sad when Kong dies yeah, at the like, end. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I didn't care that he chomped on people or stepped on them, and it wasn't his fault. They were yeah, coming they were to get people. him. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, that, and that brings up another point why this film, <clears throat> excuse me, resonates to some degree, because you can read into this, in a way, it's kind of a Rorschach test for people, because people will read into this, you, you can talk about racism and racial, racial qualities that, that exist in this film, and, and what's interesting is that I don't believe for a moment that Marion C. Cooper was thinking of allegories and <laughs> racial aspects no. when he made King Kong, right? I, I, I don't. But if you step back and look at this film, what is Kong? He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a monster, but he's, he's noble. He's, he's honest in a way. And, and he's, he's, although this should be a South Pacific island, it looks like it could be in Africa, so he's a stand-in. It's possible that people can read into this that he's a stand-in for, for the black man in Africa. And he's captured, brought back to America in chains. In chains. Hmm. And he's humiliated and tortured. And he escapes, but he never loses his nobility and he never loses his, um, his, his honesty, which is why it's sad when he dies. In fact, what's interesting, I don't know. I mean, people talk about this movie. This is a movie that no longer exists. It's called um, Ngagi, and this was a uh, 1930 uh, pre-code, what you might call a black exploitation film. And this film uh, was supposedly sold as a documentary, and it went to Africa where women were, begin were being given over to gorillas as, like, uh, sexual right. slaves. Right, and it right. featured nudity, and it was just kind of this crazy-ass movie. Uh, which did incredibly well, all right, because people hadn't seen this kind of stuff before. So it was kind of like a travelogue where they're interested in what's going on in other parts of the world, and you have uh, natives and, and animals they hadn't seen. It did really, really well. And, and um, apparently, the, the allegedly, one of the reasons RKO greenlit King Kong was because this movie did fairly well with audiences, and they also knew that women, especially sexy women, being terrorized by gorillas would, could be a huge box office hit. Hmm. So there was also There was also, at, at that time, you know, a, a big fascination with Africa. And, yeah. mm -hmm. and I think that that also played into it. The pith helmets and the, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. But you can read, if you want to, you can find, I think, racial elements in King Kong. And I think, I think that's another reason why the movie resonates more, because whether it's consciously or unconsciously, you're there. You, you, it's, mm -hmm. it's in your mind, right? Yeah, I, and, and, and I don't see that in any other King Kong movie. Right. Yeah. There's, uh, there's also, um, in, 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 this, in, in the original King Kong, there's also um, a nobility... To the natives, yes, they're they're dancing and singing and doing all the things that um, people were essentially forcing black people to do. Yeah. In, in well, white people thought black at, people did. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
Well, and they even forced poor King Kong to be an entertainer. Right, exactly. Right? When you, when you think about it. And they repeat it again whenever they did uh, Mighty Joe Young. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like the, the civilized world, like we're going to take this entity and we're going to bring him over here and as a basically a slave and we're going to make him entertain for us. We're going to mm-hmm. exploit him. But when I was a little kid and... And I had, you know, and I was, uh, you know, being fed a, a, a steady diet of the old Tarzan movies and stuff. And I saw plenty of racial sure. um, uh, uh, stereotypes in films. When Noel Johnson are... walks forward, even as a little kid, I'm like, that guy's cool. <laughs> that guy ain't taking no shit. That guy's cool. I want to be like that guy. That's who I want to be like. And that was before I saw, you know, Shaft or anything sure, else. Sure. And I was like, that guy, that guy's got it figured out. <laughs> it's true. Hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, that's like, I, didn't, I didn't know that this movie had so much. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. That's, that's what I was saying earlier, and Langley kind of alluded to when he was talking about it as he got older. It's like... You you watch it so many times you start seeing things that you didn't. See. It's like an onion. You keep pulling back the layers. You're seeing things you didn't see before, and then you're reading about how people take these movies, and you're like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, I can see that. I can I can see how that resonates. Because King Kong, in a way, for me, kind of pissed me off. It's it's like I I saw like leave him leave this this beautiful noble creature alone, right? right. And he's sure. and he's this he is the quintessential giant among pygmies, and I say pygmies in the sense of civilized world where it's like what you know you have no noble intent it's just sheer exploitation and it's because of you it's like it was beauty that killed the beast no it was civilized man who killed the beast right. it was it was that's who really killed king even, kong even civilization yeah yeah Absolutely. yeah and 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 it's like and he despite and that's the thing despite the fact that he's chomping and stomping on people and dropping people it's like I always identified with King Kong, and when he died, I, I just was sad. I was sad when, I, even as a kid, I was sad that he died. Yeah, they're shooting at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, if you, if you were in his shoes, would you <laughs> not? Would you not do the same? Absolutely. Absolutely. You defend one. You defend yourself. Yeah. You know? Imagine going into your home and dragging you out of it, and then making you become an entertainer on the other side of the world. I, I'm sure scale? you'd be a little pissed off. <laughs> I've always seen their food. <laughs> That's right. You'd be I'm, a little angry. I've always seen the battle with the with the biplanes as him protecting Anne sure. um, from from them. Something that Peter Jackson yeah. exploits a lot. Yeah, yeah, the, absolutely. That, 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 yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we could, uh, as Brian said earlier, we could talk about this movie forever. But there are other things to, to talk about. Mm-hmm. On the, uh, uh, but before we leave it, I did, I did, I did want to say this. This think about this. This movie so captured the public's imagination that here you are in the height of a depression and this movie was breaking box office records. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people yeah, yeah. got it was the, the money first, to go. The, it was the first, like, you have, everyone had to see you it. You had to see it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before we go, also, yeah, before go we go on, you mentioned Mighty Joe Young. Right. And I'm one of the people who actually likes Mighty Joe Young. That's great. And also, like, the sequel. The, uh, are you in the remake? You mean the remake? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, but there is a movie that happens between those two that we have to yeah, talk about. Sure. And that I'm is, cool with Mighty Joe Young, but I'm not cool with Son of, Son of Kong, even though it's fun. I, I'm not cool, but I'll get into why I'm not cool with it. Right. Go ahead. My, the, the, the remake has a great score. 
the remake of uh, Mighty uh, Joe Young. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, it, it, it's got amazing special and effects. It, and a Rick, big heart. Rick Baker's yeah. stuff yeah, in that is great. It looks great. It's jaw dropping. That's the buy the vi- the buyability of it. Um, of a giant, you have you be able to buy it. Right. It's. I mean, it always helped that Mighty Joe Young wasn't fifty feet tall. Mm-hmm. You know, he was more like. What, 12, 15 feet tall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was something. Yeah. It was something you could kind of buy into. Like mm-hmm. this, this could be possible. This could happen. Um, even though they, we do now know. I don't think they did at the time they made Kong, but there, there, there were giant apes. Mm-hmm. Um, Gigantopithecus, um, I think, is the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you if you want anything about that, listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So, of course, the studio's like, oh, we got to make a sequel, like now. We got to make yeah, it. very quickly. They made it very quickly. Uh, we've got to, you know, capitalize on this. And so, with a tiny budget, and you know, King Kong was a big deal. They spent a lot of time on it, and they spent money on it, and and they wanted to get this sequel out as quickly as possible. So they made the Son of Kong. Um, Willis O'Brien ultimately did very little on Son of Kong because mm-hmm. he just hated it. And there's a few yeah, because that was a Harry Redman, right? Yeah, father and son, I think, were the main. Because I always wondered who who did more in that movie. So it sounds like it's the Redmans that did more than Willis O'Brien. Yeah, Buzz Gibson was another guy who had also done a little bit of animation on Kong. Um, yeah. And and but they needed Willis O'Brien's name because he was the guy that sure. everybody knew. He was the well, pedigree. Yeah, at sure. the same time that Son of Kong was being made, and this this contributed to him not being. Also known as Little Kong in the movie. Yeah, that's right, Little Kong. Little Kong. It's interesting, and I I still love it because I like the 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 uh, the fight scenes with it. I mean, we're still on, we're, you know we're back on Skull Island. It's uh, it still looks amazing. There's still dinosaurs. Um, there are elements that didn't make it into Kong that got shot that are in uh, Son of Kong, and I think some creation stuff also. Um, but uh, uh, one of the things that happened during the Son of Kong, and it's, a, it's, it's the thing I wrote that little, I, I, there's a short film I want to make about it. Um, Willis O'Brien's estranged wife shoots and kills their two sons in real life. Wow. Um, uh, 12 and 14, I think, or, or something like that. And, um, and then tries to shoot herself, shoots herself in the chest and doesn't die. And uh, so... Willis O'Brien had that going on as well, and um, there's a there's a there's a picture that's famous amongst special effects people. It's a picture of Willis O'Brien, kind of looking over his shoulder at the camera, like "Get the fuck away from me!" with his hand on a styracosaur that he was uh, that was in the movie. And it's got a big rip down the middle of it, a big tear line down the middle of it, and uh, it's uh, it was him tearing that photo in half because it reminded him so much of that tragedy of his wow. sons getting getting killed. All right. And it was a comedy. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was pretty happy about doing this podcast, and I'm kind of sad and right, down right. for me. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Thanks for bringing me down, Lane. No problem. Well, let's talk about Son of Kong. It's a comedy. It makes you laugh, right? Again, well, clearly a, a, a marketing shift, right? Now yeah. we're aiming towards well, the younger yeah. audience. And that's, that's my problem, though, see? Because, like, you... Son of Kong. The, the next Mighty Joe Young we can set aside because it's it's a di- it's it's different. It's it's not it's not uh, a King Kong movie, right? 
So, so the next few movies you get, Son of Kong, King Kong vs. Godzilla, King Kong Escapes, which we'll cover. Um, it, to me, what happens is you're, now you're diminishing that legend of King Absolutely. Kong. What King, what King Kong stood for, why he was so great and noble and awesome in that first movie, now when you get to Son of Kong, uh, it's, it's, it's more of a, a, of a comedy. In fact, Ruth Rose, who wrote the screenplay for Son of Kong, and she also wrote the screenplay with, uh, was it Creelman was the guy's name? James Creelman. Yeah, and also um, Edgar Wallace was working on it for a while, and he passed Well, away. Edgar Wallace was a well-known writer yeah. who came up with a story idea, which Marion Cooper didn't really like, and Wallace died before the movie, I think, went into production. Right. So um, uh, Cooper went with uh, Creelman and Ruth Rose, uh, um, who I think was would, uh, was married to Ernest uh, Chaudesac. Yeah, she was uh, that married was to him. She was yeah. she was working as their, I don't know, secretary or something at one yeah. point. Yeah. So and, so if if Carl Denham is um, uh, Marion C. Uh, C. Cooper and Jack Driscoll is Ernest B. Chaudesac, then and Darrow is Ruth Rose, and that's kind of how she that's kind of how she came up with the script. But anyway, she she did the script for Son of Kong, and she said. She, she realized that it couldn't surpass the original movie, that no matter what she did, it wasn't going to surpass the original movie. So her concept was, if you can't make it bigger, make it funnier. And it's like, no. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, emotionally, I'm with you guys. I like the movie. Okay, it's fun. But intellectually, it's like, ah, you kind of disgraced the, the legend of King Kong. You, Absolutely. You, you kind of pissed all over what made King Kong great and what made King Kong awesome. And, and, and little, little Kong... He's kind of a goofball, right? I mean, there's nothing. It's like there's no majesty yeah. to him. He's no. He's, he's like a puppy. No. I mean, he but does. He, he does. Same thing to Godzilla with Godzilla's son. Well, look. Give him this yes. little goofy. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. But but it, but it, again, in a way, it, it doesn't diminish Godzilla. It seems to me because you have such a body of work, right? Hmm. Where where with Kong, you don't really have a body of work. This you thing have is one literally movie. Literally on the heels of the first. Yeah, movie. it's released right. in the same year. It's yeah. released in the same year. It's I mean, I, I think. Yeah, King Kong came out in uh, March of '33, uh, and then Son of Kong was like December of '33. So, so it was just a money grab, and, and even though it was like little Kong, I was like. <laughs> I always thought it was funny. There's a there's a, a book uh, that I can really recommend to people who are interested. It's called Kong Unbound, and it's a series of essays uh, written by a, a lot of people like Ray Bradbury, Robert Silverberg, uh, Ray Harryhausen's in there, Alan Dean Foster, and it's just kind of their take on King Kong. And there's a guy in there, a sci-fi writer by the name of Paul D. Filippo, um, who who wrote about Kong, and and he he was talking about the same concept, the idea of these these. The more you make movies as you go along, the more you diminish the original. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. he kind of he kind of likened, as he put it, he likened Little Kong sacrificing himself at the end of the movie because he saves Carl Denham. He yeah. said he was like some kind of furry Leonardo DiCaprio, right? <laughs> like out of Titanic. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's like it, it just kind of it, like when you throw it out that way, it's just like, yeah, it just it's just yeah, is it fun? Sure, but it kind of diminishes totally what King Kong was about. But, you know, despite it being the goofy movie that it is and not being that good and, and, and kind of pooping on the original, um, yeah. that scene of Baby Kong saving Carl Denham, That's probably the best scene. Man, that that makes me get misty-eyed every freaking time. It's, it's probably the best scene. He's Dude, he, he's crawled up as high as he can, 
And, the, the and he's not that big. No, he's a little guy. He's like 12 feet tall. And the island is sinking, uh-huh. right? right? And so it's he's literally, the water's coming up his chest, Yeah. right? Yes. And he's holding Carl Denham, and he holds him up as high as he can up out of the water, even as he's drowning. And yeah. a boat, you know, a is boat there comes. and gets him before And he, he... gives the thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Plus, yeah. dude, the other thing that pissed me off, though, is, like, he's like, you create this great place called Skull Island, and then you blow you it up. You get rid of it. Yeah. You, it's like, how, like man, what, oh, my, how mad that made me. It, it's like, okay, you make a silly sequel, fine, but you got you to gotta blow up the entire island and do away with man, what wanted, you created? That's right? why I think it diminishes the original movie. I would have loved to keep going back to Skull Island with oh, yeah. Kong, just because... Sure. Because you there guys had to just, be other big shit or yeah, well, to do. Langley just touched upon something. When we when we did the John Wick movies, right? We all said like, "Hey, that universe is cool, yeah. and we don't need John Wick. We'll find if we go into that universe, we'll watch movies in that universe." And Langley's right. Skull Island is a cool place, and now you just blew it up. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. And they would and they would never go back. No, no. The only way you could do it and and stay within canon is to make prequels. Yes. Because yeah. they blew it up. Or reimagine the they series. Blew it up. Yeah. <laughs> right. oh, no, God yeah. damn it's like dirty. <laughs> Son of Kong, second movie, uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, second movie, right? Well, yep, hey, but exactly. now it's the future, and we've rebooted everything, That's... and we have, a, we have Skull Island back. Oh, that would see. Well, uh, I would like to go to Skull Island. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Steph's kind of on the beach. <laughs> I'd only want to be inside a tank, though. I'd be yeah, very nice scared place. to be out. Right. Stupid. Yeah. yeah. And eats Hunkered down inside I'm my tank. Eaten. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Which is which, uh, something we, we didn't touch upon about King Kong. A very famous scene, which I'm sure Langley knows about, the famous spider pit sequence. Yeah. Which supposedly was made... Uh, but uh, Cooper said when he showed it to audiences, it was too brutal and it freaked them out. Um, Peter Jackson would uh, put that scene in, in the in the remake, yeah. but he also he also um, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the footage, but he created like 1933 footage of that spider sequence. And it's great. spider pits. Yeah, it is. It's like oh man, these guys are getting chomped and eaten, and that's it's it was really it was really cool. And um, um, but that apparently uh, they they left that out of the movie because it was it was terrifying to audiences at that time. You're right. The the spider pit sequence um, would have really would have really brought this movie into the realm of horror in some aspects because um, they they had these 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 horribly nasty critters that are like half insect, half reptilian. Half they, there was a yeah. bunch of different designs. Yeah. And um, and we see. Uh, one of those critters in the um, the two-legged lizard thing that's crawling up the vine. The when skull. It, when, yeah. Well, when 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 Jack Driscoll is in the in the hole on the side of the cliff, Kong's yeah. trying to get him from above, and there's this giant lizard thing crawling up, and he reaches out and cuts the vine, and the giant lizard thing falls. Hmm. But um, uh, you know, there's there are people Ray Bradbury, I think, being one of them who has said that they have seen a cut of the film with that footage in it. Um, and so that has, it's kind of like London After Midnight. There's been like, there's always this, the mm. lost film, you know, the lost spider sequence, and everybody's always hoping that someday 
in some molding, you know, closet, somebody's going to find it. I don't think they will. I think Cooper destroyed it, and I think the people who remember seeing it are just having a false memory. I'm going to agree with you on that. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, that, that's the thing too about the King Kong, though. When I was talking about how much of a darker movie it is, what's the body count in that movie? How many people get stomped, oh, chewed, killed, eaten, destroyed? That dude that gets killed by the brontosaurus, which in every other film is shown to be like this, you know, slow moving, mm-hmm. you know. And, and they thing, all scream, too. They're always screaming. That's terrifying. They they're, they're terrifying. That brontosaurus head, man, when that guy's on the tree, and it's just like, wow. wow, wow. <laughs> I know. It's awesome. Yeah, lots um, of death, lots of screaming. If that doesn't haunt your memories yeah. uh, as you get older, uh, I don't know what that is. a lot of screaming in that movie. Right. Even I, Faye Ray thought she screamed too much in that movie. I love the scream of that guy when he gets picked off the tree, right? And he's just like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, even when Kong's got the log and he's dropping everybody off and all his bodies are falling yeah, and they're screaming yeah, as they hit the ground. Uh, talk about an iconic image there, Kong knocking men off the log. Right. That's, it's, it's almost like a, it was a game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there are many iconic images in that movie. Man, talking about a game, when he kills the T-Rex and he's sit after he's killed it, and he's sitting there and he's playing with it like a little monkey. He's playing with the T-Rex's... Which is great, and that's a nice little after... Uh, thought, you know, whoever came you know, whoever came up with that idea, like, yeah, let's let's do this. Do you ever see um in when when Kong gets Anne into the cave and it's this amazing composite shot. You've got all these different elements. You got different live action elements, you got the stop motion element, you got miniatures, you've got matted smoke and water and all this stuff is going on in this cave. And she gets attacked by this um, dinosaur whose name I don't know, but it almost it almost looks like a plesiosaur. It's like an elasmosaur or something yeah, like yeah. that. And uh, it's almost like a giant snake, basically. And when it attacks Anne, Kong has turned around. He's he's away from her and he's bending over. And he's doing something. And if you, uh, I never caught this, but on the on the special features for. Um, uh, the the King Kong release of a few years ago, um, uh, Randall Williams, Randy Williams, are talking about. He shows you Kong is bending over and picking a flower <laughs> when that's happening, and it's so tiny and so small it doesn't you don't register it on on as a viewer, but it gives motivation to the actor Kong to be. Um, to be uh, moving away from that, mm-hmm. and that's why he didn't notice the dinosaur getting ready to attack him. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and that's a, also maybe one of the best when you when you put everything together, special effects wise. That's one of the most more incredible scenes in the movie. Absolutely, that, that whole sequence. Hmm. Uh, what else? I'm sorry, it was Van, Randy Cook, Randall Randall Cook, um, who was also involved in the making of the. 2005 uh, Peter Jackson Kong. So we get past we get past Kong. Oh, I was going to say one other thing. Uh, uh, for fans of the uh, Lost Spider sequence, um, you need to check out a movie called Black Scorpion, which was also a Willis O'Brien film. Yeah, that was like made in the 50s, right? Um, it was, but there's yeah. some of the yeah. puppets from the Lost Spider sequence or Lost Spider sequence are used in the Black Scorpion. So if you always wanted to look so know what that spider looked like or that clawed worm thing. They're in that movie. Hmm. So you should definitely check that out. Yeah, that's a fun movie. I've seen that some years back. 
So at what point did Japan take over? That was in the 60s, 60, yeah? 62, yeah. yeah. Well, there was a thing floating around. Willis O'Brien had an idea. <clears throat> he was calling it King Kong meets Frankenstein. And the idea would be like a Frankenstein monster, but made of animal parts, right? And big. And, hmm. Yeah, and big. Yeah, so that's the important thing, and big. And uh, so um, he, he, there, he met up with an American producer by the name of John Beck, and they started shopping this thing around. Uh, but it, it really attracted no interest, except from Toho Studios, where they decided, like, yeah, this, this could be good. And so, um, long story short, that everything got reworked, and then it became a Godzilla or King Kong versus a Godzilla movie. Although, unfortunately, Beck did this kind of behind O'Brien's back, so he right. never got credit for anything. Yeah. And, it's, um, it's and, he, and Cooper, Marion C. Cooper, tried to sue to block the production. And yeah. interestingly enough, he discovered that he did not own the rights to King Kong. Yeah. yeah uh, the, the, I, I don't remember the gentleman's name. Who directed the first Godzilla movie, Gojira? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Well, anyway, sure. he, he, one of his favorite movies was King Kong. Mm -hmm. And then when he saw 20,000, um, 20, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, um, he's like, we, we need to make one of those. And that's how Godzilla got made in the first place. Mm. So is, it, is it a guy named Honda? Is Shiro Honda? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it sounds uh, right. Yeah, because I, I think he's the guy that he directed these two King Kong movies, oh, the King Kong Escapes and King Kong vs. Godzilla. Yeah. And, I, and I, know, I believe he's been around for a while, so maybe he's the guy. But You know, even though when I was a little kid, I enjoyed the, the, the Godzilla movies better, the Gaiju movies better than I did that first viewing of King Kong. I always, it always, even then, I would look at Kong in the Japanese movies, and I'd be like, that's, it's not right. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was never right. No. Well, he needs electricity to get his power. Like, what? Yeah, yeah he needs electricity. <laughs> Why does he need electricity for? And it was just another gaiju. I call bullshit on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too, sir. That and his paper mache face. <laughs> uh, I always hated the Kong design in the Japanese movies. Like well, they, apparently they did on purpose because they, they wanted Godzilla to be more terrifying than King Kong. Right. And I remember reading something somewhere where, like, yeah, the costume for King Kong, like Langley says, is like not really good in that movie. No, not at all. Um, is, did, do I remember reading, I think I've read this several times, um, that there were two endings filmed, one for the American audiences and one for the... No, that's a, that is a myth. That is a myth. That's, a myth. that's right? total myth, yeah. Because I, yeah. I do, because I remember just like thinking, you know, if that was the case, then why did Godzilla kind of win, mm -hmm. you know? Well, Godzilla, the thing is, uh, the ending of that movie is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the ending of that movie is Godzilla and, and King Kong are fighting. They're on a cliff. They go into the. They fall off the cliff into the water. Right. Right. And then King Kong emerges, and then he swims off. Yeah. Right? And you don't see what happens to uh, Godzilla. Yeah. But yeah, the idea oh, that my there, brother. <laughs> and that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Godzilla has a brother who will come back in Fast yeah. and Furious Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> And, it, um, kills me. Awesome. it kills me how well that new Fast and Furious movie opened. Oh, hell, it was like $500 million in 
three days. It's amazing. Ridiculous. You people are stupid. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. Uh, well, they're popular. What can we say? If yeah. People like it. They like it. Um, yeah, that's true. Gargle but yeah, that that was um, that was a myth that uh, uh, that ran for many, many, many years because people had people had never seen the Japanese version, right? I had read that. Um, uh, it was. Uh, I remember um, watching it and just. And it, it occurring to me like the Godzilla or the King Kong that I remember would not be able to fight Godzilla because Godzilla mm, was like no. 500 feet tall or something. You know, he, he was huge. Well, there. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. That's why you just have to put this King Kong out of your mind. And that's, like, that's, it's the, not, that's the big it's adjustment. Not that King Kong. Yeah. This new Kong is like yeah. Like, you know, he's as big as Godzilla, man. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, speaking of that, the the myth, Art Adams, the the uh, uh, artist, he actually drew a one-page story um, in a, a Dark Horse Comics anthology series called Urban Legends, right? Which deals with the concept of that's being a myth. But yeah, I thought the same thing too. And then it wasn't until years later when people saw the original Japanese movie because the the English version, which a lot of people don't may may not realize, is that you have two you do have two versions, right? There is a Japanese version, and then there's an American version I that John I, Beck, the producer... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Lenny. I was going to say, I, I can't remember, was uh, was Nick Adams in the American... One? In King Kong vs. Godzilla? Yeah. Yeah, he was in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure. I, don't, I don't know if he was in that. I don't remember. He's in a lot of those. He's, he, He's he in gets a lot of inserted those. into a lot of kaiju films. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to say he wasn't in that one. I don't remember him in that one, but I, I I could be wrong. But but what John Beck did was he 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 edited some scenes, he rearranged scenes, and then he 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 put in a whole bunch of stuff, uh, uh, kind of like they did with the original King Kong. Excuse me, the original Godzilla when they brought it to America, they put Raymond Burr in. Right. Mm -hmm. So so he he put in this like this news stuff going on, right? These this news news coverage was going on. And interestingly enough, talking about King Kong having an original movie score, the English language version used a variety of music cues from, like, uh, most notably Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm. um, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, even the Western Bend of the River. So, so it was so it was a different, and they did that because they thought like, oh, Western audiences aren't going to like the Japanese score, right? So we're going to do stuff that that'll that they'll identify with. And they have so, so there is a. There are there are technically two versions, right. but not two endings. Right, right. Um, a movie that uh, I never saw um, is uh, an English take on um, Conga called Conga. It's not King Kong. It's uh, 1961. Somebody riffing on you know. Chimpanzee Kong. is turned into a giant ape after being fed growth serum by a deranged scientist and attacks London. Attacks London. Oh. Tears down Big Ben, I believe. <laughs> yeah. There's also something called Banglar King Kong, which was a Bangladeshi musical based on wow. King Kong. Uh film uses large amounts of stock footage from King Kong and premiered in 2010. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I want to see I want to see the, the dance numbers <laughs> in Kong. I just uh, looked at the cast for King Kong versus Godzilla, and it looks like it's an all-Japanese cast. Hmm. Huh. So yeah, that's why I don't remember Nick Adams being in there. But I mean, uh, a lot of them. he was in a yeah, lot of no, them. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, but this was, but this really was a Japanese movie, which hey, because King Kong's in it, 
hey, we can do something with it, right? Right, right, right. They I kinda see. Did, they kind of did what they did with Shogun Assassin when they made King Kong. Right, 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 right. Um, and then, then we get King Kong Escapes, <laughs> which is exactly. which is a, a, a Japanese Crickets. movie. We, yeah. we we get the same. Still at Toho. But now you have some American actors. You have yeah. uh, Rhodes Reason in there, who uh, who Rhodes was uh, in this island Earth, and the creature walks among us. Sure. Another lantern jawed hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he had a brother, too. A lot of people may not remember this, but he had a brother named Rex Reason, um, who is... Well, actually, no, I take that back. The Rex Reason, Reason is his younger brother, <laughs> and he's the one that's in This Island Earth and Creature Walks Among Us. I got that wrong. Yeah, well. Rex Reason. Rhodes Reason was more... Rex Reason did more movie stuff, it seemed to me, and Rhodes Reason did more kind of television stuff, as I recall. Hmm. But, um, but, yeah, but Doctor Who's in this movie. I always like to point that out to people. Doctor Who is in King Kong Escapes. The the character Doctor Who. Well, there's a character called Doctor Who <laughs> in the movie wow. King Kong Escapes. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. In uh, fact, Tom, you're using the King Kong uh, cartoon theme song for That's the opening, right? Right? Yes, right. King Kong Escapes is loosely based upon the uh, King Kong cartoon show of the time. Uh huh. Sure. Called, I could see yeah. that. I, yeah. For me, King Kong Escapes, which I've only seen once, mm-hmm. when I was seven years old, living in Manuka, Illinois, and <laughs> Manuka, Manuka, yeah, and uh, Chicagoland, and uh, I just remember it was so cool that there was a Mecha Kong. Yeah, there yeah. was this robot. Kong. He looked ridiculous. Yeah. He looked Kong. ridiculous. He looked yeah. like a McKinney. dog, like a Doberman Pinscher. Well, yeah, because he's got well, that big scoop. Well, <laughs> that's what's so crazy about the movie, right? It's like, so Doctor Who invents this giant mechanic Kong to dig for something called Element X, which is only sure. uh, found at the North Pole, right? So Kong, element Y. So Mechanic Kong goes haywire, right? right. The, the Mechanic Kong doesn't work. So then it's like, all right, I'm going to get the real King Kong and I'm going to control his brain to make him dig for Element X. Didn't they put like a little, like a little electronic thing on the side of his head or something? Wait, wait, yeah. What was and apparently King Kong understands English because he was told what to do when he's sure. digging for Element X. Well, you know, it's a um, universal language. But uh, my question is like, why didn't he kidnap King Kong in the first place? Did, uh, but uh, did, all right. What did you call him? The, what did the, you just call the robot? Mechani Kong. Mechani Kong. Did Mechani Kong. called Mechani Kong. Did Mechani Kong ever meet Mechagodzilla? I don't, think I don't think so. so. I don't think. I think. Mecha, I think Mecha Kong was only in this movie, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and there's there's another person in the movie that's kind of cool, which I like. It's so uh, um, stupid. Her name was Madame <laughs> Madame Piranha. Madame Piranha. Oh, that's I don't, right. I don't know who Madame Piranha was, but she oversaw <laughs> Doctor Who, right? And she was this hottie. She was played by this Japanese actress. By I think her name is Mihama, who would later go on to be in James Bond. You only live twice, playing the character. Kissy Suzuki. Kissy so, uh, and she's kind of a hottie, right? So she tries to she tries to get Rhodes Reason to come over to her side. This is the one of those Kong side. that has the big, the big steel um, so uh, uh, villains lair, a la James Bond. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, like, yeah. there's well, this is 1967. Yeah. This is 1967. So spy movies were yeah. really big. James Bond was really big. So, so you get you get kind of a James like Bondian King Kong. Yeah, so to say. Skull on Skull Island. Like, yeah. 
So in the mountain the, the, I mean, no. That, the whole idea on that was that the mountain was shaped like a skull. Like a skull. It okay. had it had uh, whole yeah, caves. Okay, caves and, and so from yeah, this, the, I believe. Like I could be wrong, but I believe in King Kong they only refer to it once when they're looking at a map and they call it Skull Mountain Island. But if you read the novelization of the movie, also which actually came out. Rose. Well, yeah, well, it's credited to, yeah, it, the same, it's credited to Wallace, I believe, and, and, uh, and uh, Cooper. But uh, if you read the novelization, they mention Skull Mountain Island many times in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, what we've got between, between... It's the like origin- generation loss, right? It's like exactly. If you keep going along, it gets, it gets a little cheesier well, remember, and a little more... Well, yeah. And what's interesting what is there's a lot of there's a lot of time between King Kong and then King Kong versus Godzilla. And remember, the two first Godzilla movies were in the 50s, so there was a I don't know seven year gap or something between yeah. uh, uh, Godzilla movies. So this was in a sense not only this was like the sense of the start of the Godzilla movies that everyone you know has come to know and love over the years. Right. This was the the beginning of that new um, Godzilla series the, of films because the first couple of Godzilla movies were black and white. Uh, in the fifties, darker mm-hmm. movies. Godzilla dies in the first one. Yeah, uh, I mean, in King Kong versus Godzilla, it's like it's like they're doing wrestling and they're juggling rocks and shit. I mean, it's it's silly. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes it, it's the beginning of that era of Godzilla yeah. movies. Sure, let's sure, make sure, Godzilla. Sure. Let's let's let, little kids should like Godzilla, right? So let's right. make them friendly. It's always has been weird to me. Yeah, I, you know, it's like this. It, it's a giant lizard. Yeah, it's a giant lizard. It's a well, you know what's funny about kids? All of us, all three of us, saw King Kong. With maybe such a time because he, he didn't like it as much. But I, I would say that we all identify with King Kong, right? Even though he was a badass. He's another one of those. But he's monsters. a badass, right? And it's sure. not like he doesn't. It's he, like he. I wasn't terrified as a kid. I I loved King Kong as a kid. Right. Well, he he he's an outsider. He's an outcast. But he's also. Yeah. He's also doing the things that we might like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're we're living even a finger to authority. Plus, yeah, as exactly. Being, as being a, a child looking at something so big and so powerful and so control of its environment, it's everything we aren't. Right. You know. So sure, it's like dinosaurs. Why do little kids like dinosaurs? It's, you know, same. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're and like and you got yeah. and that's why King Kong resonates so well, right? King yeah. Kong, dinosaurs. Skull Island. I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's all high adventure. Yeah, it's everything you want. So between the 1933 King Kong and the 1976 King Kong, um, we have that kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. We've got the Japanese Kong movies. We've got Kong, which does no up. service to King Kong, by the way. No, not at all. And we have Kong popping up in, oh, you know, advertisements and things and. <laughs> and it becomes, you know... Uh, After crushing people, King Kong needs a smooth smoke. That's right. So he prefers <laughs> cool. That kind of stuff, you know, was going on. And then in 1975, we get two different companies working on King Kong movies. And Universal was trying to do theirs um, while Paramount was doing theirs. I think, it, I believe it was Paramount. In what year? Uh, or mid-70s? Yeah, yeah, the the yeah. one that came out was the Paramount movie. Yeah, right. drop in there the, a brief appearance in Mad Monster Party and Mad Mad... Sure. Mad Monster, it, it well, I, and I've always I've always maintained that um, uh, the Abominable Snowman in um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer 
yeah, it's is, essentially is, is essentially Kong, and and if, in, if not heavily influenced. In Madman Monsters, he was called Modzula. Modzula. And in, <laughs> and in uh, Mad Monsters, and he had like he love beads and had long hair. It. It. Just it. It wasn't because they couldn't <laughs> contractually, I guess, get Kong. Right. Um, but yeah. So Universal was wanting to do a um, a remake of Kong, but Paramount was kind of beating them to the punch. The interesting about the, the interesting thing about the Universal one is they were hiring Jim Danforth, who had who was kind of the third generation of these um, amazing stop motion animators. You had Willis O'Brien, you had Ray Harryhausen, and then you had Jim Danforth. Mm-hmm. Jim Danforth did the um, animation for When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth, Seven Faces of Doctor Lao, um, a lot of stuff. Anyway, so they were they were trying to get him to do a stop motion con. Mm-hmm. And um, it it just didn't happen, and so we got Dino De Laurentiis as um, in '76. Uh, in although in 1969 it was an American film called The Mighty Gorga, which features a circus owner's quest to capture a giant ape in the African jungle. Hmm. So. It's always about exploitation, huh? It is. It's always about exploiting white people, man. Even yeah. King Kong '76. The, the whole point of that movie was they were going to the island for oil. Oil. That's right. Oil. Yeah. And yeah. So when I was very excited when the '76 Kong was coming out, um, it was the first, It was a big push. I remember. It when was. You, when my when my monkey died, everyone. Died. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. was all over the the news. That thing. was always the line. I, I wonder if he ever said that, but that's a great uh, line. A great line. <laughs> <laughs> um. And there were there there are very cool things about it. Now it's one of those movies that. I've intentionally not gone back and watched, you know, I've seen it maybe, maybe twice, maybe three times, which for Langley is really weird. I usually watch movies over and over and over again. Um, But there were some very cool things in it. And the coolest being that Rick Baker got to, uh, I think, perfect his gorilla making skills. Not perfect, because he he did them much better later on. Mm -hmm. But for the first time... Took the training wheels off. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, yeah, this was... And got to play, by the way, one of Rick Baker's favorite movies, King Kong. Sure. Heavily influenced. Um... And and got to not got to not only create this amazing suit but also got to play King Kong, and it gave us uh, you know it introduced us to Jessica Lange. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hated even then I hated um, Charles Grodin in it. Yeah, he's the, terrible. Yeah, he's terrible in it. Um, Jeff Bridges, who who I love as an actor now, but I think was a really poor choice yeah. then. Um, just a dopey hero. And I just hated that it was set in contemporary times. Like, that drove me nuts. Yeah, part of yeah it was a hidden island in the Indian Ocean this yeah. time out. Yeah. And, and what was, was Jessica Lange, was her name Dwan or something? Yeah, because Dwan? the W, you know, makes it different yeah. than yeah. Dawn. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and remember why she was cast adrift on the boat? No, but, the, I, the dinghy? but, I, but I remember the, 10-year-old Langley enjoying the... She they they put her on the ship because she was on it because she wouldn't watch Deep Throat. All right, yeah, that's right. And that so it's like there you go, get off. And then that's how they came across it. Is that that's real? What's, yeah, that's what, that's what's that's so weird the, about that movie. Plot, yeah, that's that's how why she's adrift in the ocean. Yeah, what's so weird about that movie is, is it's it's very seventies, right? I mean, so so it's very there's like even scenes where like soldiers are getting killed and and like Jeff Bridges is cheering. 
right? So yeah. it, it's got kind of this, uh, we'll call it a, uh, we'll say it's a revisionist King Kong. Yeah, a right? post-Vietnam Kong. Yeah, it's a revisionist post-Vietnam Kong. And, um, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but, but, but what made King Kong great are dinosaurs. Where are the dinosaurs? Right. You get no dinosaurs. You get a giant snake. You get a giant snake, but yeah, there are no dinosaurs in that movie. No, right? So, so it was a, now that movie did well. That that movie uh, was a big was a big hit, and I, I think it, I think it made something like Man, almost I, three I, and a half times or four times its budget. When I look at that poster art now, yeah, of, of him straddling the t- the twin towers. Yeah, and with I, the jets. Just, with the jets, and I'm just. But like, I think it was helicopters. I don't was, think jet. If I remember correctly, it was helicopters it was, that attacked. It was helicopters. Yeah, yeah, yeah not jets. Yeah, but he. It was just. It's a horrible painting. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, yes. It's just bad. And yet, it won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Oh my God. Yeah. Which here's a bit of trivia. <laughs> here's a bit of trivia for your trivia of 1976 King Kong fans. So apparently, Meryl Streep was considered for the role of Duan. Wow! But she would, yeah. But she, uh, this is according to her, alleged. But she wouldn't watch Deep Throat, so they wouldn't. I know, I know. (laughs) No, she was deemed too unattractive by uh, Dino De Laurentiis. Wow! And then they, then they offered the role to Barbara Streisand, which would have made a lot of sense. If Hong is dead, she could have been singing memories. The way we were. She's got that that thick act, that Brooklyn accent. That yeah, but she uh, but she turned it down as well. Smart so. girl. Yeah, that, and that's what launched Jessica Lange's career, I believe. I don't think she was anything prior. No, to yeah, and uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but that but people always say, kind of like the the two endings for King Kong versus Godzilla, the myth was that uh, derailed her career, and that's why she didn't make a movie for three years. I I don't know if that's really true or not. I I, I know that she took some time off and kind of honed her skills. Um, but I don't know if it had anything to do with the movie because, like, why would? I mean, to me, it's like ultimately, why blame the the that movie, which was successful, right? It was, it was successful. a successful movie. So why would she be blamed for anything? Because she didn't she didn't diminish the movie by any standards. Mm-hmm. I remember what so a, I never got the that aspect of it. What a big deal it was people made of the big forty foot yeah uh, animatronic Kong that didn't ever really work. <laughs> and you saw for like a second and it looked ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it was like like seconds. And the yeah. giant hands that they made yeah. and the giant feet. But here's the rub, right? I'd rather watch the 1933 King Kong. I think what they did sure. in that movie is more amazing than they did in 1976. Oh, and that's and that's decades two. that's decades later. Yeah. Of the two, no? I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's what's that's what's so sad that here's a movie that, you know, is is uh 33 years later, and you're, you're, that's what you have for special effects, a guy in a suit. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and rewatch it just because um, I want to see if, if there's anything about it that I liked. Um, I do remember at the time thinking, wow, that, that suit looks very cool. Like, that looks like a... It wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'll give him that. It wasn't bad. And that, and that may be owing to Rick Baker, um, mm-hmm. but, but, but it wasn't bad. But I'll tell you... I'm with Langley. I could see myself seeing this movie again, but I don't see myself seeing King Kong Lives nah, again. Nah. You know, it's it's interesting that it Kong became like, say, Django or or whatever this like sort of right. catch-all. I've got in this list here things like uh, 1959, where he's the normal-sized gorilla, King Kong's Adventures in the Heavenly Palace. 
That's a what? <laughs> the 1959 Hong Kong film, King Kong's Adventures in a Heavily Palace, which feature a normal-sized gorilla. There are two Hindi films, King Kong in 1962 and Tarzan and King Kong in 65, which feature a professional wrestler named King Kong. King Kong. It has nothing to do with the famous movie monster, um, although it does feature a normal-sized gorilla. 68, there was an Italian movie called Kong Island that was released in America as King of Kong Island. Mm -hmm. And... um, Normal sized gorillas, so it's like that what? same sort of exploitation of the of the right. landing. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a King Kong movie where he was? A, it was a King Kong in the thirty sixth chamber of Shaolin. Was he in that one? That was a joke, but oh, that was no. that was a joke. No. There's also like you're a, saying all these movies is like yeah, yeah. So he was ridiculous. in that one too. Thirty six yeah. chambers of Shaolin. In eighty one, there was a Mexican film called Las Municas del King Kong. It means the dolls of King Kong which oh. featured exotic jungle girls. The King Kong in the film was a giant ape statue on the top of a building. <laughs> Boy, how, how... Man, I'm glad I didn't see that as a little kid. I would have been so... Felt so wait, ripped off. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. But it was just speaks to how, how pervasive it was and how... What's, the, what's the one movie, something, Peking Man? Mighty Peking Mighty, Man. Yeah, Mighty Peking Great. Man. That's a great movie. <laughs> there was also a uh, 76, a Korean 3D movie called Ape. A-P-E. Oh, I do remember. Giant Ape run, Runs a Monk. Yeah. There, in 76, there was a movie, a British movie called Queen Kong. Yeah. I shared the, the poster on Facebook. It said the tagline on the movie was, uh, for Queen Kong was, she's in one of her moods again. <laughs> <laughs> well, then King Kong lives. I mean, you've got Lady Kong. Yeah. Right? Right. And I mean, that's the thing. I often wondered, like, so King Kong's, the remake is 76. And then they make King Kong Lives in 86. Since King Kong 76 was a big hit, I wonder why it took him 10 years to get to that movie. Mm. But, uh, but that movie is bad. It's like a 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Sure. And, and King Kong, though, he didn't die at the end of King Kong. It begins, this is where this movie begins. He's in a coma for like 10 years. Right. Mighty and they're going to give him an artificial heart transplant. <laughs> Mighty Peking Man is actually not bad. It's, yeah. it's very... Very, uh, uh, it's very Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's you know, it's fun. That's a giant ape. They just released it maybe a three or four years ago on um, Quentin Tarantino's uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Rolling Thunder, yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Um, By the way, we forgot to mention too that uh, Carl Rimbaldi was the special effects guys on King Kong and yeah. King Kong lives. He's the guy who did Alien and ET. Yeah, he also did uh, the the big uh, the giant snake in Conan. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, that was not a bad sequence. No, it's not. Uh, Supposedly, Titano in DC, the DC Universe is uh, modeled on King Kong. Okay. I know. And there's a sequence in Yellow Submarine where they open the door and he's there abducting a woman. There's also, um, there's a... Which which speaks to its pervasivity of the culture. Right, the ubiquitous nature of Kong is kind of everywhere. Um, Kong is everywhere. That's right. Kong is everything. Kong is everywhere. Kong is everywhere, man. Kong is everywhere. There was a video game, uh, an arcade video game in the 80s called Primal Rage. Yeah. And it used stop-motion monsters as uh, for its modeling of its characters that would you, you'd have them fight. There was like a T-Rex-looking thing and this snake-looking thing. And there was a, there was a big ape 
mm-hmm. also that uh, I mean it definitely uh, the whole the whole concept kind of it's like it's pulled out of Skull Island all, all these creatures, um, but it really isn't until um, uh, the mid '90s that that things start happening again with an actual Kong property and Peter Jackson. Um, based off of, this is weird, based off of the success of the Frighteners, mm-hmm. um, is offered to do a remake of King Kong. Unbeknownst to them, it's his favorite movie. He tried to, you know, he's a little kid, he made a little stop motion, it was started to, of Kong. And, and I think, as, as, as I think all early stop motion people do. Um, so anyway, he was like, oh my God, you know. And so Weta, the whole machine goes into play. They're working on it. They're working on it. And there are other movies coming out that year that, that are already about big monsters. Mighty Joe Young, the remake that you were mm-hmm. talking about, the Disney uh, remake with Bill Pullman, or Bill Paxton. Yeah. And um, Charlie's on. Charlie's Theron um, was already coming out. The Matthew Broderick Godzilla was coming out, mm-hmm. and and so they they and talk they, about which I thought was funny. Talk about Planet of the Apes remake, right? Yeah, and right. it's like like how, how does one you know that makes me laugh. Like how does Godzilla I get, uh, Mighty Joe Young I get, but how does Planet of the Apes figure into your you know yeah. King Kong remake? But yeah. okay, hmm. it's so, got apes. Oh, all right. Yeah. So Universal then backs out. They're like. After after what has been working on it, and they kind of like, oh no, we're not gonna we're not gonna go ahead and do it. Kind of uh, dash Peter Jackson's hopes and aspirations for a while, but but so quickly on the on the heels of that, they started working on um, the Lord of the Rings that it, it really didn't mm-hmm. didn't matter, and so they always felt like it was the movie that they didn't get to make that that they you know the one that got away, and then. After the success of Lord of the Rings, they were like, hey, let's talk about that King Kong idea again. And then we wind up with the 2005 mm-hmm. King Kong. Which, which I'm mixed on. It, well, it's, it, I, it's... I love the fight sequences in that. Right. And all the big action set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, I hate Jack Black. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I, I always wanted... The thing was, when you when you read about Jack Black, he said he, he based it on Orson Welles. Right? He, he looked at Orson Welles as, as a director and kind of thought this might be a person to channel. But there were two guys that I liked quite a bit who played Orson Welles prior to this movie. One was Vincent Ocrio mm-hmm. right. in uh, Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other was um, uh, Lee Shriver. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, this movie, you need gravitas, right? Any, those guys, if that's what you're going for, get, get one of those two guys mm-hmm. to right. play the, the director. I think it's right? in, in uh, Ed Wood... Um, Vincent Ginocchio, they dubbed his voice uh, Maurice LaMarche. Because who, who also course. did the voice for Pinky? Pinky is that correct? Brain, yeah. 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 I always, well, Pinky is, is essentially Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Uh, The Brain. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, The Brain, not Pinky. I, I didn't really like Adrian Credit, Brody Credit that much too. either. I thought Adrian Brody was an odd pick, but once I got yeah. into the movie, I, it... He can do action. Look at it made more it. sense because... Like, well, I'm not saying he can't. I'm not saying he can't. It just He just didn't work for me in that movie. And he's a writer. For, the Jack Driscoll should be this adventurer, uh-huh. right? He's a, he's a guy on a... He's, he's, Jack Driscoll's kind of like Indiana Jones. Right. I think right? maybe that was a way to make that character more identifiable to a wider audience. I don't know. Oh, uh, make him a writer? I'm, make okay. him a writer so that he's not just a... Uh, uh, you know, he's not a Vin Diesel... Uh, 
Dwayne Johnson type character, you know. Well, but I mean, but but Bruce Cabot's Jack Driscoll in Thirty Three Kong wasn't that kind. No, of No, he wasn't. He was the the kind of strong, silent type yeah. who, you know, the 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 John Wayne. He was the John Wayne guy, you know, in that yeah, movie. Yeah, which is interesting because he would later be in a lot of John Wayne movies. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's that stuff didn't bother me so much. Um, Jack Black, I thought did fine. Um, I think the problem with Jack Black, and, and I hear this complaint a lot, and I think a lot of it has to do with that it's Jack Black. That it's it's like having somebody it's too come. Recognizable. It, it's too yeah. It's what I always said about Nicholson as the Joker. It's mm-hmm. like that's right. Jack Nicholson. It's not the Joker. Exactly. It, it becomes very difficult for those actors, right? After a while, because it's Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. How do you know Samuel Jackson? Can't By the way, do anything else. he's a We'll get to that, I guess, when we do yeah. trailers. But, but, um, um, but yes, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think that's part of the problem for me because to me, that's a total whiff, Jack Black. And I like Jack Black, and I've liked him in many things. Yeah. It's just that I, I, I just did not like him in that. One thing that was interesting too was Andy Serkis, who plays the capture, the motion capture Kong. Right. He plays a character called Lumpy. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Lumpy is a character in the book, but not in the original in, in the original book. Uh, or the novelization, right. but in the in the King Kong 33, there is no character called Lumpy, but he, but there's a uh, character called Charlie, who's like the cook kind of knockabout guy, right. played by Victor Wong, who I think is kind of the Lumpy character, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, w- one of the things that I do love about it is that it is set in ni- in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. So that was. That was a big plus for me, like because I, I was so afraid they were going to put it in, and set it in modern times. But like putting it in the 30s makes so much sense because that's one of the last times that you could think of that there could be an island out there like that out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like I said, that there's a mythology that exists, and and that's why it's magical because you can assume that hey, we haven't seen this before. This is new to us. This is kind of cool. We're more cynical now and. In, 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 two, in 2005, when this movie's made, we're way more cynical. Right. Nothing surprises us anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the Peter Jackson movie. A, a lot of my Kong fans, or my Kong fan friends, um, really hate it. They they really dislike it. Oh, but they they essentially dislike anything that isn't the the 1933 version. Well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I I like the design of the dinosaurs in mm-hmm. the new in the new Kong. They're 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 spiky and scaly, and they're 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 like what you would see somebody painting back in the 30s and 40s of what a dinosaur looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, there yeah. are ridiculous sequ- sequences. I don't like the brontosaurus stampede. It's yeah, which seemed unfinished. It seemed yeah. like it they didn't do a like a scene they could have left out. Yeah, and they did when it was for its theatrical release. It wasn't in. Yeah. Um, neither was but, the Styracosaur and a couple other things. Yeah, but that's the thing. You know, that's what I was saying earlier. I think part of the problem, well, I should get this into, as much as I dislike Jack Black, I really love Naomi Watts. I yeah, thought she, she was, was fantastic. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think she was, but she should have been nominated for an Academy Award because I think her performance was, was, was that good. It was great. But, but um, I think the problem with King Kong um, was that it, it was too long. I mean, even even at the theatrical version, I think it was 187 minutes you're, or something. Yeah, you're on the boat for almost an hour. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's I mean, ridiculous. It, it means like for a guy who loves the original movie, and I'm saying Peter Jackson, again, that movie is 100 minutes. Your movie's twice the length. I think it was coming off of the heels of Lord of the Rings. 
mm-hmm. and he just felt he's so in love with this world. You know, he went like look how much thought and effort and time they spent on recreating New York. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. it, 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 a lot of detail that isn't really necessary for the film. But they, I think they just got off on it, and I and I love them for it. You know, I I love that kind of stuff. Um, uh, uh, the CG gets crazy sometimes. A, a, a real human being being tossed around like Anne was would have been killed many times over mm-hmm. just from, I don't know, just from inertia. Yeah, and, broken neck. And yeah, the the impact of getting ca- caught like that. But sure. you know, that's also you're going with the construct of there's a giant gorilla mm-hmm. holding, so you you buy into that kind of stuff. Um, well, we saw. Remember that gorilla that kept that little kid fell into the into his uh, into the the, sure. the compound. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And like he's he's you know in a way he's kind of roughly handling that kid. But I I often wonder, like a lot of people do, would he really have injured that kid? Right. Uh, I think we don't given know. enough time, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's funny. But, so yeah, go ahead. But where do things like Kong li- King Kong lives and Mighty Kong and Monsterverse come in. Any of this, these things? Um, Are they just incidental stops along the way? Yeah, I, I don't. Look, yeah, I don't look at. I mean, to me, King Kong is 1933, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give them Son of Kong because you know it. it fine. It's um, kind of kind of the same. I mean, it was, but know. but yes, yeah, it's 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 a continuation. It's like Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Right. Exactly. It's part of the series. So if they if they would have stopped there, you got Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes, but they're still part of the series. Planet of the Apes being a classic, Beneath not so much. I think the same thing with King Kong thirty three and Son of Kong, and then I'll give you King Kong two thousand five. And to right. me, everything else I don't care about. Everything else you can throw out. Now that doesn't mean I don't like those movies, and that doesn't mean that you can have fun with Doctor Who and King Kong Escapes. But right. <laughs> but ultimately. You know, yeah, I don't. Those to me, that's not King Kong. And and Langley pointed this out a few weeks back when we were talking about uh, Kong Skull Island. Yeah, that's not really King Kong either. If you want to get, you know, if you want to stick with the original, but 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 yeah, to me, um, King Kong thirty three, Son of Kong, and King Kong two thousand five. Yeah, that's it. It's dealing with that that same story. So. King uh, Kong Skull Island, the, the movie that is, I, I, I think, still in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I just saw it again, as a matter of fact. Okay, a, a perfectly fine movie. Like it's fun. It's it's uh, you know, it's an adventure movie. It, it doesn't aspire to a lot, so it sets the it sets the bar low, I think. Um, and it has cool. It, it's got very cool stuff. I like it. I like it. But but I have to divorce myself of the fact that it's a Kong movie. I have to forget about when I first heard about this, how excited I was because right. I thought yeah. something else, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, well, sure. Kong Skull Island. I mean, all, all you know, three words. Oh man, your imagination runs so, wild. Well, immediately, I'm going, oh my god, they're either going back to the island to catch dinosaurs or some shit, mm-hmm. or they're, or it's a prequel before. Sure. You know, another like some boat. other yeah somebody else that we didn't know about and another hot that. chick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, and this sometimes where directors bug me too, and this this touches upon King Kong 2005. I'll, I'll tie that in a second. But the director of of uh, Kong Skull Island, uh, Jordan Boyd Roberts, I think his name is, um, he wanted to have them go to the island, see King Kong, kill King Kong, 
but it would have been a small version of Kong. It would have been the King Kong that we're familiar with from 1933, and then they would have discovered that, oh, my gosh, that's the baby. Here's the big King Kong. Oh, gotcha. Right? And the producers put the kibosh on that. But, see, that's the things like, okay, now you're getting a little too cute. I don't know. I don't think I would have liked that. It gives the monster, it gives the Kong such motivation to, to, to why a normally passive creature would start tearing Well, King Kong's not normally passive. Well, I mean, gorillas, when you, when you look at gorillas, they would explain, like, yeah, then maybe you could even go with it, it, was, a, yeah, but it was a peaceful giant gorilla that, but, you know, but Kong's not really a gorilla. I mean, that's the thing. Gorillas pass, if, if you're going to say they're, you know, uh, peaceful, like, they don't exist in an environment where dinosaurs are trying to eat them. Right. Right? So, yeah. so Kong, Kong has a ferocity... And again, that's what makes Kong really cool. I mean, he's, he's he like has a ferocity. If you push him he is. too far, he, is he, he gets pissed exactly. off. Yeah. Right. He's Shaft. And then they kept your Shaft and imprisoned him and then turned him into an entertainer. Right? Well, Shaft's going to be really pissed. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that, that's Oops. the thing. They, they get too cute. Even in King Kong 2005, one thing that bugged me a little bit, and this is just a, a small bugaboo, and it, it doesn't really detract from the movie, but I don't like all the little references to, like, in the beginning, where they're trying to get an actress, and like, hey, you know, can did oh, is Faye Ray available? Faye Ray, but they say yeah. Faye, it's like, no, Cooper's got her, and like, yeah, whatever. I just, you know, to me, reimagine the movie, make the movie, make it as if it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and, 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 scratch, and he does, he yeah, does yeah. that uh, occasionally. Like there was also the the Sumatran, yes, uh, rat, rat thing, monkey. rat, yeah. rat monkey, yeah. That, yeah. It's caused the disease. Yeah, there's some winking at the camera going on in the in the 2005. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of things to enjoy. I mean, that movie is good. I mean, I I'd, I would give that movie. I, I would give King Kong 33 four stars on a four star scale. I'd yeah. give King Kong 2005 three and a half. Yeah, I, mm. I think there's enough there's enough things that transcend it, it transcend the 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 problems that I have with it. Right. Sure. And it's hard for me because I'm a sucker for so many of the things in that movie that I, it's hard yeah. for me to be uh, uh, objective because it's right. like, oh, shit, they're in the 30s. <laughs> there's <laughs> monsters. There's monsters. There's dinosaurs. There's fucking King Kong. And it's an, and it and one thing Jackson did get right is the the emotion um the the emotional Kong. The, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah. Uh, we're back to feeling sorry for this guy. We just watched him fucking tear up three T-Rexes, and he's pretty hor- He's pretty terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you still wind up wanting to cry for the guy at the end of the movie. Yeah. I, I, maybe even more so than the 33 version, because we have Andy Serkis emoting through all the CGI. Well, in but, 33, they just gas him, and then boom, yeah. he's on a boat, and he's back in New York. Yeah. But in this version, man, they don't gas him. They're shooting him with these spear things, and, and I mean, it's it's, it's a horrible and the, and sequence. They're dragging rash. him down to the ground. Yeah, it's like, yeah. No, that that was a tremendous scene, yeah. and and um um when he when he's atop the Empire State Building, that's that's very well done as well. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, I, I thought that was one of the more horrific scenes in the movie is watching how they captured Kong. Yeah. Um, and that really bothered me watching and, that. And 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 uh, um. Naomi Watts does a fantastic job of in that sequence where she's just been held captive by this thing, but she's also been with him long enough to have this connection, and now yes. she's watching them, and and they're you know they're like you know get the woman out of the way you know and they're yeah. you know, and smashing a big ass jar of gas right on his face and it dude it's it's intense. 
It is. Now, she was great. She was. That's one of the best roles I've seen her do. I mean, I, I like her. I'm a fan of hers, but I thought she was amazing in that movie. And I really, I, I guess I'm pretty damn sure they didn't nominate her for an Academy Award. And you know, I'm not saying she should have won, uh, but but gosh, I mean, she should have been nominated. That's yeah. how good she was. Yeah. Mm. So the so the so the new Kong movie, Kong Skull Island. I just keep telling people who ask me about it who haven't who haven't seen it. I say, if you if you go realizing it's not a King Kong movie, if you just go just go to watch a kaiju movie. Mm-hmm. Go like you're watching Pacific Rim or something else. You'll then you'll you'll love it. It's fine, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for for Kong fans, like you you really got to divorce yourself of that. Otherwise, you're just going to be pissed off. Yeah, I, I have I have fans, um, uh, friends that are fans of say Batman or Superman or classic iconic uh, uh, comic characters, right? Sure. And they'll always say like, "Oh, well, that Batman's not canon, right?" Right. And I'll say, "What's canon, right?" Yeah. I mean, King Kong. You have you've had eighty four years of 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 King Kong, right? Right. Uh, and so, so so the reality is, you have to, as Langley says, not just in some ways. You don't even need to divorce yourself from it. You just think like this is just another universe, right? That's kind of how I that's kind of how I look at it, right? It's just it's just a, a, an alternate version of King Kong. Not mm-hmm. you know you can still love your King Kong and yeah. enjoy the alternate version of King Kong. Sure, right? I've always it, I've always thought how there's so many stories that could be told about Kong. I don't know if they should, but I mean if you're gonna dip your toe in that in that water. Um, I would like to see the story of King Kong getting transported back to New York. Like, that couldn't have been... Now, you'd have to change some things. Kong would have to wake up at some point or get loose or... Mm-hmm. Have to, something has to happen out there on the water. But um, uh, but maybe not. Maybe it's a small indie film that's a character-driven drama piece, and Kong is just... Maybe it's kind there. of like a Life of Pi thing. Well, you, where, where, where's it going to go? It's, right. it's got to stay on the boat. Right. Yeah. Hey, I, I would be cool if they just make a day in the life of King Kong and Skull Island. No, no dialogue and just Kong going about his business, having cool. to take Have care of things. Have you ever seen uh, Steve Bissett's book Tyrant? No. It's, it's, no. It's a comic book. It's. Um, oh yeah. Sorry. Yes. That's it's, about T Rex. It's just a life about the life of a T Rex. Yes. There's no dialogue. Yes. Or I have seen it. I'm sorry. It's great. I'm oh, cool. Steve Bissett. Yes. The man. That reminds me of great artwork. Yeah. Raptor Red. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is just the life of this raptor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'd also, uh, yeah, a, a Day in the Life of King Kong would be amazing. Um, a prequel to a prequel to um, Kong. Going back to Skull Island without Kong would be amazing. There's, you know, there's I plenty mean, there. Well, yeah, and and yes, and and you do have natives on the island. I mean, that's one thing about uh, King Kong 2000. I thought would, was interesting was the the native population was kind of uh, creepy and dangerous and scary. Yeah. Right. And it's like you know you could do something with them and how they react to what's going on in the island. Oh, absolutely. This is their this being their first exposure to the, to the mm-hmm. outside world and 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 you took their god. Yes, oh, yeah. but that's oh, the thing I always loved about King Kong. He's their god, right? Yeah. yeah. What about I want to forget next, that. He's their god. The next white boat that comes to that island. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're going to... It's like, why are these guys so mad? Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. And, and Kong Skull Island, and he's still their god, but they separate themselves, right? It's like they don't really mess with Kong, per se. But in King Kong 33, it, and then 2005, it's like, no, no, this is their god. They sacrifice to this god. Yeah. 
and then them it, wanting their god back because they the yes. god they don't have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it yeah. wasn't us. Maybe the hey, boat, y'all look alike. Right. You know, maybe the, <laughs> maybe the new boat is bringing Kong back. Yeah. People exactly. get very angry when you take away their gods. Well, also, I I would I would probably not intentionally, but Kong probably also kept down the you know incidents of like getting eaten from a fucking dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. You know, dead, you got stepped on by a giant ape. <laughs> well, yeah. because you took his toy. You yeah, took, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, right. I mean, everything, everything was cool until those Venom guys from up. New York showed up. <laughs> Ain't that always the way? A <laughs> uh, couple of appearances. Uh, this is again to show how pervasive it is. It's he's in the Lego Batman movie. Oh wow! Um, remember King Homer? The yeah, Simpsons yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was on the goodies. They did a kitten Kong. It was a British TV show. <laughs> um, Frank Zappa, the Mothers of Invention, did a song called King Kong on Uncle Meat. Kinks recorded a song called King Kong as a B side to their uh, 1969 single Plastic Man. Um, the second track on Jimmy Ca- the Jimmy Castor Bunch's album Super Sound from 1975 <laughs> is called King Kong. Jimmy Castor Bunch. Troglodyte, the caveman song. Right. Weird novelty hit of the mid seventies. Yeah. That you it's gotta be it's like a story mm-hmm. um that must be heard to be believed. Um and uh, on the nineteen seventy four record Waterloo, ABBA did a song called King Kong. <laughs> when you said when you said Waterloo, immediately my my mind went to Waterloo. Yeah. yeah. Waterloo. Not Water, the, the yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and also, uh, so, so they did a song. What was the song called? Um, King Kong. It was called the King Kong song. The um, King Kong song. Oh. Uh, my notes say, although later singled out by ABBA songwriters Benny and Bjorn, <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was sung to the tune of Fernando. As one of their weakest songs, it was released as a single in '77 to coincide with the 1976 film playing in theaters. Oh. Yeah, the weird thing about ABBA, it's it's a uh, it's their their initials. Agnetha, Benny, Bjorn, and I think Anna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Huge, rich, those people. Yeah. Um, and then there was a big deal, I remember, in, to coincide with the 76 release of the of the movie, um, the big Universal attractions at Universal Studios yeah. in, in yeah. L.A. Yeah, that's true. There was yeah, this giant that. one. We took our kids when my son was just but a wee lad, uh-huh. and um, it was crazy. And now they've got another one for Skull Island coming up. I guess they didn't make a, a, a tribute though to King Kong lids. There was no like. <laughs> like that. You know who? You know who? The, one of the screenwriters was on that movie. I didn't know this till I looked it up. Stephen Pressfield. Really. The, Gates of Fire, Legend of, of Bagger Bent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was he was a co-writer on that, and it, and that amazes me. Like, how can a good writer write such a bad script? Well, well, it was. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. I like that pregnant pause and bump. Well, yeah. what was in that script before the director got it? Of course, uh, right. Yeah. More of a rhetorical question, I guess. Right, right, right. Sometimes you just make the money. You don't. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But still, can't you can't you do something kind of good for the money? <laughs> um. Uh, okay. So, Kong. Kong, man. I think it's yeah. Really I think clear. we covered him well. Yeah, we think we covered him. Um, moving on, we're going to go through our usual rash of stuff here. Um, first up, bunch my of people usual died. rash. Yeah, that's a, that's what uh, I a bunch of people died. 
Um, we'll go over those real quick. Uh, Clifton James, who was in all of the some of the Roger Moore Bond films as right. a cigar chomping um, sheriff. Yeah. He was in Let Die on Vacation. Southern Boy. Southern Boy. Yeah. Sort of a. Uh, uh, he was yeah. in his nineties. Yeah. Yeah, he was ninety six. Yeah. So it's not no great surprise there. Um, uh, Jay Giles. Yeah. Once again, uh, taking in consideration of his family. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no Giles. great surprise that your grandfather died in 96. Um, Jay Giles of the Jay Giles Band, guitar player, yeah. uh, died. And um, I... What, did you know the cause? Uh, they found him in his home. I think it was a heart thing. Mm. Uh, um, he, I'm sure he wasn't young. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't young. He was 96, but he... Yeah, he yeah I think maybe he was in his 70s? Yeah, probably was probably that 70s. Um, but, and imagine the abuse, the, you know, yeah. unless he was clean living, which I don't think he was. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was one of those guys. I, I came to those guys earlier than most, um, before Centerfold and all the big hits. I remember back Whammer Jammer days. It was, it was one of those bands that I didn't, they didn't speak to me at all. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I, I was familiar with the songs being played on the radio, but I, I don't know. I just see those leopard leggings <laughs> and just... Yeah, Peter, uh, yeah, Peter Wolf was a little off -way. But their early stuff, it's like straight-up blues, boogie, yeah. rock stuff, and it's good. It's good. The the centerfold stuff got a little hard to take. I can see them coming out of the, the same kind of, I don't know, mold as like Fog Hat. And no, they were more solar-oriented. Really? More, they had more of a backbeat. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there's stuff like uh, Bloodshot is a great record. There's a great live record. Uh, they were an MTV staple too back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about before that when they hit. By the time they hit MTV, was you know like I say, Centerfold and whatever else. And Peter Wolf had a couple solo albums. They were right. You know, they were big. Um, Charlie Murphy died. Who? Died oh yeah. He had leukemia. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, now he would have been in his fifties, I would think. Yeah, he was he was my age. Yeah. Um, he had leukemia though, so you know it was, he. he uh, I never remember older or younger than. He was Eddie. the older brother. I mm. Yeah. Say. And um, you know, a good storyteller. Dave Chappelle really brought him up out to the fore forefront. Right. Yeah, him really for famous. sure. Um, there's a great three-hour podcast video interview that Rogan did with Charlie Murphy. You can find it on YouTube. Cool. Um, Didn't he do that character? Was it Negro Damas? <laughs> no, that's Paul Mooney. Oh, it's Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney. He did a lot. Um, Buck Nasty. I'll play your haters. Oh, okay. uh, My favorite line from that was uh, Chappelle saying, you'll have to excuse me because I have to go put water in Buck Nasty's mama's dish. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great show, man. So um, Dorothy Mengering, um, David Letterman's mom. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. Who, again, was up there in in years, but um, yeah, I saw a picture of him. I just saw the headline with a picture of uh, David Letterman doing the eulogy, mm -hmm. and I was struck by the fact, like, man, David Letterman looks like a wild man. He's got long, big, yeah, fuzzy beard. big beard now. Yeah, yeah supposedly it's like they're negotiating him to do a, an interview show coming up mm. on on one of the networks. Yeah, he should kind just of, go to a shack like and a, write a manifesto. Kind of like a Charlie Rose type. Yeah, yeah. which I think would be great. Yeah, he would be good. Uh, Tom Snyder. Man, I miss Tom Snyder. Yeah, Tom Snyder. That was Those cool. smoky. Yeah. I just love all that stuff. <laughs> and then finally, just today, I got note that a, a guy named Alan Holdsworth died. Alan Holdsworth was a guitar player who played with a lot of prog rock bands. Yeah. Who, in my opinion, was one of the best guitar players I've ever heard. 
Um, I'm swapping out the end theme on the show today with a, a guitar solo we did from a um, UK record called In the Dead at Night. And it's just, he's one of those guitar players that guitar players like scratch their head at. Sure. Um, just confounding like how, the how? fluidity. And I saw him once perform at a, at a small club and I watched him go through a simple chord progression and he, and he would do it in every position up the neck mm -hmm. just to keep himself amused. I saw him from his... I've done that myself, but not with a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw the span from the tip of his index finger to the tip of his um, pinky at nine frets, which is about a, more than halfway up the neck of the guitar. Mm -hmm. So it's this massive hand of being able to do this really crazy stuff. Um, as you can tell, a personal hero. And so that's a drag. Um, so moving on to news... MST3K was released to Netflix. Yeah, uh, it, well, it, you know the the I, I read your review of. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's growing on me. Uh, so, in watching the 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 previews for them, you know, coming up it, it, prior to this, I, I had that feeling already that mm -hmm. it was going to be too too broad, you know, just like too silly and too. It's a little contrived yeah. in that they how they get the ball rolling, mm -hmm. but once it's rolling, it, um, it it feels very very familiar. Okay. And I think if, with time, the same time that we look the prism of time that we look back on the original episodes, right. This will be looked at kindly. I've seen a lot of real positive response. Well, that's to it. cool. Um, now, now, Tom, for a guy who's given up television, if you're watching Netflix, isn't it kind of like watching television? Uh, no, the thing is with Netflix, um, I the thing, and I've talked about this on the show before. Um, MST3K is my go-to when you know you go, you get into bed and you just want to. Yeah, that's your comfort. Uh, my, my comfort thing, right. and this is this is uh, why I've made made an exception. Wow, well, <laughs> there should um, always be exceptions to rules. I'm a firm believer. They announced last week that. Theta Alvarez, the guy who did Don't Breathe, right. is remaking Labyrinth. <laughs> uh, not remaking it. The cool thing is that it is going, it supposedly, it's they, just, they made a big deal about this, is we're not rebooting it, it's another story taking place in the Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Same thing that yeah, we said uh, about Matrix. And does the Elf King have a turkey baster? <laughs> I don't know. Because that, that would be interesting. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, bef I would say, before you remake Labyrinth, make Dark Crystal 2. Yeah. yeah, and damn it, make them, you better make them, well, don't make them CG, because, like, no, that would be the bad. legion that would be of bad. fans are going to hate you. Um, I also saw that there's a R-rated animated Watchmen coming out. Which is mm. stupid. Which is dumb, because essentially the movie was... Was that. Was that, and there was also a motion comic. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, yeah, and there's an, there's an animated stuff that's in the director's or the the extended version of mm -hmm. the watch that deal with the the pirate ship. It's silly, right. silly for them to do that. that was right. Uh, Pierce Anthony's Xanth series is getting a feature film, and then it's going to TV series. Okay. And I know a lot of people that are excited about that. Okay. It looks like high fantasy, from what I know of of it. All. Do you know anything about the Xanth series, Brian? No. I, Piers Anthony is a prolific writer. He's good. His I mean, I know, I know who he is, sure. But yeah. I, in his Incarnations of Immortality is great. Mm -hmm. There's a, he has a book called On a Pale Horse that's phenomenal. Right. Um, so I'm excited about that. But 
again. Is that a TV series? Yeah, it's going to be a feature film first. Oh, okay. They'll go to a TV series. From now that's interesting. So I mean, it's yeah. specifically designed to be a feature film and then a TV series. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense, but. But I mean, is that a, is that a movie released to the theaters or would, like? Yeah, that's what they said. They said a feature. Oh, okay. I would much rather see that this kind of, that kind of a formula happen for yeah. um uh uh a lot of series. I would you know, like to see that happen to yeah. Harry Potter. To be honest, that's you know, that's a good. I'd, I'd never until you just mentioned that. It's like. You know what? That's not a bad idea. You create. It's like kind of like King Kong, right? You have a King Kong movie, and then we have a series called Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's yeah. kind of a uh, that might be something new. Right. Might be something kind of cool. Make a movie, then go to TV series. Uh, they got they cast Josh Brolin as Cable in the new Deadpool. Yeah, movie. yes. Uh, um, so that makes him Jonah Hex, Thanos. <laughs> Terrible movie, by the way, Jonah Hex. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, and now Cable. I. I don't know that I'm necessarily. I don't think he'll do a bad job. I just don't see why. Why? I mean, I'd like to have seen Stephen Lang in that role. I would have liked to see breathe. Stephen Lang. They were talking to yeah. Pierce Brosnan, I guess, at one point, and and that would have been better. Um, yeah, Josh I guess Bowen so. just seems to get all of the. He's the Ted McGinley of <laughs> the Marvel, the superhero hey, universe. He's no Samuel L. Jackson, though. Right. That guy owns freaking Hollywood. After watching that uh, trailer, Hitman's Bodyguard, yeah. that guy owns that Hollywood. Yeah, like, I've never seen a guy in so many movies. Uh, let's see. The Mist is getting a TV series. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, it's too early to have any. There's real a new feelings, trailer out, but I just and yeah. it, it it looks like who's the playing The Mist? <laughs> well, it's. I just think it's going to be. There's elements good, there that aren't in the. Right. In the short well, they've expanded the universe. I just think it's going to be the mist slowed down. So it's going to be, what, three weeks of the fog rolling in? And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't really know. I would kind of be up for a... Um, the mist in 36 Chamber of Shaolin. If you wanted to remake it or redo it or reboot it or whatever um, and do it. But as a series, it just seems like... At least you have to. You There's not have a lot. To have, you well, have that's to have an no, I'm just laughing because, like, I can think of all the funny things you could do with the, the mist. Well, the, and that's why, and that's why we're seeing. Is it a comedy? Other weird things happening because if you if you're just staying within the confines of the short story, there ain't much you can do. Well, you can't yeah, go I anywhere. I gotta think it's something like Under the Dome. Right. So mm. uh, now I get, I start to get a little more interested. Sure. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll it, see. It'll be interesting. Uh, there were there were some pictures out on the web t- this week of uh, Steve Coogan and John C. Riley in a movie, a BBC thing called Stan and Ollie about Laurel and Hardy. Oh yeah, yeah. And they, and look, they look amazing. They look yeah, they do. They look great. And what is it about the Brits now? They're doing these killer makeups, like the thing with uh, Gary Oldman as Churchill. We talked about. Oh, uh, there's there's some companies over there that are are doing amazing amazing stuff. Um, and then finally, Netflix announced that they're doing a Haunting of Hill House series. Yeah. Which again feels like it, it, it it's going to be just the book slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, my favorite books. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of okay. Well, did you ever see the uh, the series uh, from Dusk Till Dawn? I saw bits and pieces. Yeah, on the. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's kind of the same thing. It's like. 
all right, there's there's some cool things there, but you just take you took an idea and just stretched it out. Yeah, yeah. To the point where it's like, yeah, are there, but they do, it takes a lot longer to get there. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I, don't, I don't know if it calls out for that. And I don't know if the audience, like a TV audience, will stomach that. Where sure. where in cinema, it's like let's 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 get it moving. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, uh, a bunch of trailers got uh, big ones. Dropped this week. Sure. Uh, first of all, I guess we'll get the biggie out of the way. Star Wars: Last Jedi. Um, I have no idea what's going on. It looks frightfully important. It's a <laughs> it's, a, it's a sequel. Frightfully to important, a, I'd say. Uh, the Force Awakens. No, I, I, I get all that. I just have no idea. It hasn't betrayed anything. The Force Awakens for the Last Jedi. To me, it just at this point, it it. it those movies are starting to feel like it's oh it's a, it's like watching a TV series. Mm-hmm. It's like watching Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. It's just that each episode is like you know a year apart or whatever, or or six months apart, or however long it was between the last two. You know, I, I it's I think it's fine. I think it's cool that they're going back to some of the things that made Star Wars good in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, it's just not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that movie's coming out at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah Christmas. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of with Langley on that. It's, it's kind of, at some point, I, I, I don't want to be too tripe. But if you can, if you've seen one trailer, you've seen them all, right? Right. I, I mean, feel like points, you're, you're if you're in the bag for the Star Wars movie, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. in the bag. Yeah. Yeah, you already got me. You got me. You know, yeah. three months ago, whenever I saw the first one, it's like I'm in, I'm in. And I think and I only through sh- the sheer volume of what we're going to be seeing coming yeah. up will, I mean, you, you, you'll have to become at least versed in the universe yeah. to, to be able to function. Yeah. And um, I don't know that I, I just don't, I'll watch it, you know, I just don't see myself getting excited over it because it's, it's, it's all it's more, more of the, the same. same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're not going to give you anything in the trailer that's going to give anything away anyway. But I think it's too early also for them to be showing too much because mm-hmm. they probably they're probably well right now they're stirring the pot they're yeah. they're, they're trying to yeah. go look we got Luke and we got some really her doing some Superman shit and yeah. and this and that we got a lot of explosions and people running so I think it's just enough to give them a taste and the, and the internet has reacted the way you think they would react Correct, yeah um, yeah like now I could be wrong box. but I thought I saw a transformer in there was there a transformer in the Last <laughs> Jedi because uh, I'm excited about that yeah it was, yeah how you said last week it was going to be four because it was you know the last night the last Jedi I mean come on this could be a crossover <laughs> don't 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 tempt us. oh I did I did I did Pirates um, of the Caribbean Transformers <laughs> Star Wars yeah, yeah. I mean come I on Star Wars the Last that. Jedi Transformers the I Last would, Night that's too much of a coincidence for me I would watch a Pirates of the Caribbean, Transformers crossover. Sure. Oh yeah, throw in, be, uh, throw in Legend of the Lone Ranger. I mean, that'd be good no, too. I, no, I just think an idea of like like Autobots in a world that <laughs> where you know boats are are the height of technology. They would be rad. Yeah. Become Let them go to Skull Island so King Kong can kick those Transformers ass. <laughs> Don't wait. Along we with his dinosaur, his dino we pals. We may very well see the return of. Mechanic Kong or whatever. <laughs> yeah, mechanic. It's mechanic Kong, Tom. Mechanic Kong. Mechani- Kong. Uh, the trailer that came out was Catherine Bigelow's new film Detroit. I guess based on a on an incident that happened in real life. Um, looks uh, looks er, modern day and kind of frightening. Yeah. Um, I like her as a director. She's done some really good stuff. I so agree. just the fact that her name's on it would get me to see it. Yeah, John Boyega from um, Star Wars is. Is, is in it as well. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, then they released the Thor Ragnarok trailer, which uh, it, I I haven't seen a course correction like this in Titanic. 
<laughs> where suddenly it's and they didn't really correct their course. I know, but suddenly Thor, which I had always sort of relegated to, is to Marvel's version of a chick flick, um, has now become some some hip Guardians of the Galaxy kind of thing. The yeah, it's a very sci-fi uh, trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you always get me though with Led Zeppelin's "Immigrant Song." I just love that song. So like you have all that action going on, you have the "Immigrant Song," yeah. and you see. Kate Blanchett, who I uh, definitely uh, think is fantastic, uh, looks great she in looks this movie. Great, and and yeah. the idea of what she is within the scope of the universe, yes, um, is being essentially she's in charge of hell and starts just wreaking havoc. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I still yeah. think I still think Jeff Goldblum looks ridiculous. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's almost like he's doing uh, what's the, the what was the actor's name that was in um, uh, the Guardians movie or even the Avengers movie? The guy who played the Collector. Oh um, yeah, yeah, they're the same. Oh, they're the same yeah. race. They, yeah, they play the same race. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And by the time they get to the arena, and Shrek shows up in armor, right? It's it's rad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that's Shrek in this movie. Yeah, Shrek. <laughs> they they fight in a big arena. And he's yeah. with armor because he literally Shrek. looks like Shrek. The Hulk looks like <laughs> Shrek. There's even I saw a graphic online where it was Shrek wearing um wearing an ill fitting yeah. helm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm okay. excited though. That that trader, I have to admit, that trader excited me. Yeah. It looked cool. It's like yes, I'm count me in. Cool. Yeah. I you know if it's on, I'll watch it. I guess. I guess. <laughs> I'm not gonna see it out, but yeah. I really well, hate. I, I hate. What do you mean? If it's on, I, I mean, really hated that the second Thor. I really the hated second that Thor uh, doesn't have much to recommend it other than Tom Hiddleston. But and yes. then um, uh, also you mentioned before Hitman's Bodyguard. Hitman's Bodyguard. Another movie for Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, the man needs Ra- work. Ryan Reynolds. Work in directed by the guy who did Red Hill and Expendables Three. Yeah. Setting Expendables Three aside. Red Hill's a great movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's Aussie. It's about a bad badass that comes to the... This, this particular movie, Hitman's Bodyguard, uh, just looks to me like... Where's Eddie Murphy? Yeah, it just... Uh, it, it, it's, and Jackie Chan. It's like an action film equivalent of a romantic comedy that I just don't... It, it feels like sort of 48 hours. It feels like... Yeah. You know, uh, well, it, well it, and it didn't wow me at all. No. I, I, I was like... I was uh, like... Oh, I laughed. When I first saw the title, I thought it was the Hitman series. Well, right? the way they're they're constantly aping and making references to the bodyguard is is I guess yeah. funny. Um, I thought I have to admit at the trailer when he went through the front glass of the car, I laughed because mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you laugh I at, laugh at AF, yeah. America's Funniest Videos. Right. Um, but it just but looks you, like money. You, you just touched on finding something like the the, the idea of uh, the bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Like Hitman's Bodyguard strikes me as like a 15, 20 minute concept that would work well at 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. Agreed. Right? Because well, like just like, like with Langley, it's just like I'm watching I'm going, ah, eh, whatever. I don't think that there's any mystery that, you know, this this person that he's, Reynolds is supposedly protecting, Jackson, right. midway yeah. through suddenly betrays himself as to be this fucking awesome James Bondian kind of well, crazy madman. That's, so, the, that's the conceit, right? Yeah, he's exactly. A, he's, a awesome, he's an awesome hitman. Yeah. So why does, why does he need a bodyguard? Well, that's the joke. Mm-hmm, uh, oh, right. okay. Um, and then uh, the, there was a uh, trailer for a movie called Lost in London. Um, this was the thing Woody Harrelson directed. 
it was streamed live. It looks a lot better than I thought it would be. I did too. Yeah. It was yeah I don't more, know what you make of it, but it looks fun. So what it was was they were they they had written a script and I guess and blocked the entire film out and it's taken in they streamed it live and it on the fly I guess. Uh, I've I've read that it's one take. I don't know. Yeah, 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 and the, and so um, uh, uh, and this is the result of it. Yeah, and it looks frenetic and crazy, and looks like they're taking a lot of jokes. So a weird jokes experiment that that looks better than I ever thought it would be. Never thought something that interesting would come from Woody Harrelson. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I can see John Malkovich doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um. I don't know if I put this on the, the list for you guys, but there was a trailer for a movie called Beatrice at Dinner. Yeah, yeah, you did. I yeah. saw it. Yeah. Salma so, Hayek and John Lithgow. Apparently the first great film of the Trump era, which right. kind of annoyed me because I didn't know I was in the Trump era, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty clear that I think that Lithgow is playing... Sort that of, type of a character. That type of a character. He's a one-percenter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It looks very sort of... Um, um, uh, the, the the comedy of errors or or, or, it or does. Uh, I, not I, errors I wonder, more like a, 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 a I don't know if it's a comedy though I mean you know that that's the thing seems like, like a pretty dark comedy to me yeah I, I mean go, go ahead, ahead I'm sorry oh I was gonna say that when Lanley was talking about the 1930s right people want to get away from their troubles they want to get away from their problems so you go see King Kong you go see you know Astaire and Ginger Rogers you, you get away you want to be entertained. And so I look, and I'm not saying this is not a good movie or a bad movie. I don't know. But the thing is, I'm more jazzed to see Thor Ragnarok than I am, you know, it's like, I don't want to, the first great film of the Trump era, I don't want to be reminded of the Trump era. I I just want to move on to fun stuff. This film will do really, really well when it hits streaming and Netflix and all that other stuff. Yeah, I I can see myself seeing it on cable. I just don't see myself paying money to go see it in a theater. It's like, did you ever see Perfect Host? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. That's a fun movie. Yeah, Yeah, a little already already thing. Yeah. Um, but that I, was, but that was, uh, this does not look like a comedy by any standard. I'm going to predict that she changes his character and he becomes... <laughs> they become fat becomes, friends. Well, he becomes a, a super altruistic, nice He'll guy. He'll choke on a end. shrimp and she'll save his life. <laughs> and, and I, and I, I think He goes from alt-right to alt-left. The uh, John Lithgow version of uh, I'm shooting for an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. you know... And that's the thing. We we could all be dumping on this movie, and it could be something totally we don't we don't know I about. It, but that's never stopped us. You don't get that from the trailer, and if that's what they're shooting for, they should give this give that to us in the trailer. Yeah, so we I know think it looks interesting. I think I, I yeah, like it does. It's, it's, yeah, but do you want to pay thirteen bucks to go see it in the theater? No, I, I don't want to pay thirteen dollars no. for. I see uh, it um, coming up on my Netflix instant viewing queue right. and going sure. I just don't like the conceit of the first great film of the Trump era. I, I just, right, that well. bugged me. When it, I just bugged me. That's, that's marketing people ignore that shit. So uh, it's hard, Langley. It's hard. <laughs> In social media, it's just so hard. Um. So Brian, have you seen anything this week that you want to recommend? Um. No, I can't really say that I did. I mean, I saw I saw two films on um I saw two films, one on cable, one uh, both on cable, and uh, I, I didn't see this movie when it came out last year. Uh, the sequel to trans, uh, the sequel to Transport, the sequel to Independence Day, mm. and and I I decided not to see it, and I I saw it, and I realized that, yeah that's why I didn't want to see it in the first place. Sure. So yeah. so there wasn't there wasn't much there, um, a lot of eye candy, but nothing really of substance. And then the other movie I saw, which was kind of interesting, speaking of Ryan Reynolds, 
Um, it was called Selfless. Oh, um, yeah, 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 with Ben Kingsley, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, where he, they had this way of being able to put his mind into another person's body and then what happens there, kind of a sci-fi um, movie. That was kind of interesting. Um, so that's something I could kind of recommend. For, uh, it's playing on cable right now, I think, HBO, you know, or if you want to do a rental. Uh, but that was kind of interesting. But uh, the Independence Day, it, uh, yeah, right. uh, yeah. They they ended it with a possible with a possible. Sure, um, they did. With a yeah, with a with a the, there could be a third part, and I'm wondering. The end or is it? <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering because the movie did all right, yeah. right? I mean, it, like it it did all right, and it's probably gonna do okay on rental. So is that enough to get a third movie? Uh, will be it'll be interesting probably. to see if case. Yeah. The budget will be slashed, but sure. Yeah. You? Yeah. Um, I finally saw Arrival. Um, oh wow! I think it's worthy yeah. of all the uh, uh, yeah, good. all the praise. It's a really good movie. It's a different take on some things. There's there's a there's a twist I did not see coming, and it's just overall, it's really good. The it, car chase. It's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> the big car chase. That's you mean when the guns are blazing was... and they're shooting aliens left and right because no, they're not? When she they're... was oh. running in her underwear and tripped. I totally <laughs> did not see that coming. Uh, me. Um, saw a bunch of stuff. Go to my website for full reviews. There's uh, highlights. There was an awful Night of the Demons remake, which uh, I I missed it for a moment. A documentary called God Bless Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, sure. Okay. God bless this um, one and all. I rewatched the old documentary from the '70s, Warrior Within. I love that. Yeah, thing. it's a great. It's so. Good. If you ever feel like, should I go to class today? You watch that. And you go. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. I should. <laughs> um, the informant. Um. And then a little movie called Why Has Bodhi Dharma Left for the East. It's a Kiduk Ki Ki Kun film. Uh -huh. um, it's kind of a sister film to uh, one of my favorite films called Spring, Spring Summer Winter, whatever that is. Spring. <laughs> it goes through them. <laughs> yeah, something spring, to do with summer, the season. Fall, winter. Yeah, and yeah. then spring again. Yeah. And it's the idea of a young man that goes to live with a monk at this beautiful lake and they just live there for a year and it's it's the man's stuff happens and it's super slow mm -hmm. uh, Tim Key Duck is his name he also did when, a movie when did that movie come out? this would have been 80s 90s oh. um, you know it's one of those slow Korean things sure. where, where at the end well, I always like to say slow's not bad as long as you're engaged Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it. Uh, the same director did a movie called The Bow. That was started. Um And then a lot of it, the MST3K. I'm slowly, I'm kind of going through those as I, as I can. The one thing I do want to recommend is something that I didn't think I would ever be recommending, and that is, uh, I bought the a a biography of Paul Lynn and the set, Center, 70, Center Square. Center Square. It's called Center Square, um, and it's it's. It's kind of fascinating. I'm sure. You know, um, uh, uh, in that it's someone who probably should have had more fame than he uh, got, mm -hmm. um, and about self-sabotage. Um, he was kind of an angry, bitter, cranky drunk. Right. And, and he, he also, uh, you know, was, it was at a time when, when gays weren't accepted. Right, and he never acknowledged it. It was like Liberace. It was the right. elephant in the room, and it was a lot of... 
phrases being bandied about, like, you know, confirmed bachelor. And sure. For him, his big excuse was uh, there was one, this one girl, the one that got in, and it ruined him, that uh-huh. he, he, he'll only ever love her. And sure. Blah, 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 blah. Um, what I didn't know is there was an incident where him and a, a friend were up in a, uh, an apart, uh, hotel room drinking, and there was an accident where the guy went out to the window to go, like, look at me, I'm fucking around by the window. And he fell. Wow. Um, Paul Lynn grabbed him and said... And that's before they were doing selfies, right? Yeah. Right. And he's all... Uh, he was holding him. Paul Lynn was holding him, holding the hand by the, like, the suit coat kind of a thing. And he told him to reach up, you know, reach up and grab me, I can pull yourself up. And the dude ended up falling out of his grasp and hmm. fell 80 feet to his to his death. And... um. Never heard that story, but that's kind of yeah. old Hollywood stuff. It's yeah. very, very fun. And then I went book shopping for my birthday and bought a bunch of old stuff, a lot of Don Hamilton and a lot of um, some Mickey Blaine, and, and I was having a great time on that. I'm looking cool. forward to reading those. Uh, moving forward. Speaking of books, though, speaking of books, let me yes, throw sir. one in there because I didn't mention this. Marion C. Cooper is an amazing individual, an amazing, amazing, amazing individual. And for anybody who's interested, uh, there's a book called Living Dangerously... The Adventures of Marion C. Cooper, creator of King Kong, that's a very um, good by book. Mark Cotta Vaz. Mm. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, and it's it's he's just an amazing guy. It's, he's like yeah. Indiana Jones. That's a great say. His story is a great story. Um, yes. I would also recommend for um, Kong. It, 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 this is one of those books that if you're a Kong uh, super fan, you already have it. And it was a book that came out in the '70s um, called "The Girl in the Hairy Paw." And it is also a series of essays on Kong, and and they go to some people go to some unusual places with it, like you know, um, the uh, they talk about the race stuff, they talk about um, the uh, the the concept of sexuality in, in in now we would be you know in porn you'd be talking about BBCs mm-hmm. and and how that relates to Kong and Anne, and it gets it's really 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 in depth. Hmm. in the Harry Potter. Yeah, and that's uh-huh. something that we really didn't cover because when you think about it, when we said earlier at the beginning, like you can you can talk about Kong for the whole show. It's like once you just get past the movie and the greatness of it, it's like, yeah, there are racial aspects to it. There are sexual aspects to it. Absolutely. There's a lot of things that you can you can delve into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next week, um I think we got a guest confirmed. I oh awesome. So I'm, I'm we'll excited. Be doing that. Um book went to is going to beta readers in the next week or so and then it'll come back in two or three weeks and then it'll go printer and publisher from that so string of pearls is on its way all right guys thanks uh for the bonus material podcast i'm tom carnell i'm brian ellison and i'm langley west stay scary